Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Media Made Me here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. I am Felipe, the Brazilian Dragon, and today we are learning about what media made Shannon Gus. Shannon, how are you going to introduce yourself? That's always my favorite way to start off this podcast. How do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, my God. I'm so bad at introducing guests. <laughs> you let alone myself. I did not think this through. Um, your guest is me. Uh, I'm a podcaster. That's it. Yeah, oh my God. Shannon loves Survivor, loves Surrey Field, and also the originator of one of my favorite OG RHAP segments, the Rupert Tweets game. It was you or your brother Contested. or both? Contested. Contested. I say both. I think I remember us coming up with it together. He says he came up with it, and then I was like brave enough to send the voicemail. Yeah. Um, honestly, there was no camera in the room. Like, we'll probably be fighting over it till the day we die. But. I remember us doing it together. I think it's also really petty to try take it all for yourself when clearly there was a conversation being had, you know? Yeah. Um, the one thing that Elon will never take away from us, it will always be Rupert tweets, not Rupert X's. Yeah, it will, it's always Twitter. People who aren't on Twitter always, oh, are you still calling it Twitter? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Is anyone not calling it Twitter? Like, I've never heard anyone call it X. I wouldn't even remotely ever do that. I, I just tweet is such like an ingrained part of our culture yeah it's just like yeah Mm. yeah it's it's part of us it's the de facto thing that you would say and i'm not going to do what elon musk wants me to do so it's like all three things i'm just always going to call it twitter i i am here for us just like disobeying what he wants and just saying no it's twitter um but Shannon, this is so exciting for me. Uh, I'm really appreciative that you're here. You're someone fantastic to listen to for all the survivor coverage you do. Uh, and like I've told you um, in our private conversations, truly like this summer was real rough. Uh, I uh, went through a friendship disillusion is what I'll call it because I don't know, I, the breakup word is too hard still, but uh, I really struggled for like a month. I did not watch anything like struggled to like get back to myself, but this recaps once I was like, okay, big brother's been on for a month, get your stuff together. Let's like, you miss it. Let's watch it. And then this recaps was something so fun to look forward to. Uh, it would propel me to binge faster. Um, that and the suits pod, and the challenge podcast. I don't even watch the challenge anymore. But uh, these three specifically, I was like, oh my God, this like is the first time I remember feeling happy again, uh, even Aww. for brief moments. So thanks for the content. Like I am just very appreciative for everything you do as podcasters um, because it does bring joy. And I know you're not like out there like on a medical uh, hospital saving <laughs> physical lives, but you are saving like emotional and mental health uh, lives. I don't know. That's very sweet. I mean, that means a lot to me because I love the whole concept of this podcast because I was thinking like, as someone who cares a lot about things or puts meaning into everything, I feel like media is so significant to me. And just like the, yeah, the the purpose that I put in it and like almost how I kind of like humanize media as like this comforting thing is something I definitely do. Uh, which I'm sure we'll talk through with a bunch of different media. And it was definitely true of like RHAP as an example or podcasts or like 
just the meaning that I put into that in difficult times is something that has always been like what I do. So the fact that, that you or that anyone could find that in my content is genuinely amazing because I do that with other creators all the time. So I can't even imagine myself being like in that role for someone, but it definitely means a lot to me. No, just like truly thank you. Like it, it made me laugh at a time where I wasn't feeling like laughing. And like, I feel like it was the kickstart that I needed to get back to feeling myself um, and getting back to the things that bring me joy. And like, I'm doing a lot better now and I'm happy about that. But yeah, there, it's always nice that like, because I, I I had a break from RHAP because I like, just like stopped listening just randomly. Like one day I was just like, I need a break. I feel like I was too engrossed in the reality TV space. And then I like, it was very company. Like I would dabble. I would, I, I never took a, like a full clean break, but I would dabble. And then this was really the first time that I was like, oh, it's so reassuring knowing that whenever I need it, it will always be here. Like I can just like fall back into old patterns, pick back up where I left off. And like, yeah, there's probably some inside jokes that I don't understand from like 43 and 44, but I am so appreciative that like Rob has built such like an empire where I can turn to find these things that I can put on in the car or put on while I'm cooking food and just like comfort. Um, and you're a great representative of the network. Well, that means a lot. Yeah, that's definitely what I did with RHAP, which was such an important part of my life for five years before I ever podcasted. Um, that was like the five years that where I started dating Peter and we were long distance for that entire five years. And it was like my first five years working mm -hmm. in a grown up job. <laughs> so like the RHAP was so like formational to that like early adult self. Um, and like, just like the, I always said, like Rob was the voice in my head. I'm sure a lot of people identify with that, you know, like the, the highlight of my day would, I will have, and I also like thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about this, I haven't thought about it in ages, but like, I think like, ugh, like, you know, kind of like mundane day at work, but like, oh, I've got this podcast to look forward to. It was like a bright light. Mm -hmm. And then like, in terms of media carrying you through hard things, like in terms of long distance with Peter, which was difficult. I always remember like feeling grateful that, you know, I could be at the airport on like really early on Monday morning where I'd be upset to leave Peter and also upset that it was early on Monday morning and like turn the podcast on and go from feeling sad to like laughing through the airport. And it just like kept me company through all of these like really, again, like early foundational adult things. And so it was just so important to me. And it's again, like the meaning that I ascribe to something like that, where it's not just like, yeah, I'm listening to this fun podcast. It's like, no, this podcast is like really helping me through the situation. So yeah, if I do that for anyone else, uh, that is amazing to me. Any kind of distraction or fun or stupidity or just like strategic thought, like if I'm entertaining people, that really means a lot to me. So I'm glad that it's resonated with you. Yeah, no. And if if anyone's listening to this and Shannon has ever helped you through a bad time, go show some love on <laughs> Twitter um, or... Not yeah, it, no. yeah, just Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok, make a TikTok about how much you love Shannon. Well, also Elon Musk ruined Twitter because now you can't dm people right who don't follow you and that like is painful i mean like i've got the instagram dms but like people would send me really lovely dms on twitter they always like really make my day and then like survivor ended so i was anyway like less engagement from the community but then i saw that would that have been an update because i went to dm someone and it was like they don't follow you and i was like so and <laughs> i don't know like i guess it could be protective in that maybe you'll get hate so you mm -hmm. can't get like hateful DMs, but I pretty much never get hateful DMs. I only get nice DMs and he took yeah. away the DMs. So that was like my most upsetting Twitter update. 
and like cut off the the community engagement i really did not it was meant to be like a place where we engage with the community yeah i have so many questions about what's happening with twitter but it will make me upset. like living so, under a dictatorship every yeah. day it's like it's our life because that's um, where i live on twitter <laughs> by elon musk he's my president it's terrible that yeah that's that's a rough presidency uh, yeah <laughs> the um he, he's he's such an interesting man i, I didn't I vote for question. him actually. i don't want to like yeah. I, part of me wants to understand what's happening in his brain but also part of me does not at all um and i honestly like, feel scared like i feel like one day he'll just be like release our like like draft tweets or like bookmark you know just not yeah. that it would be bad it would just be a bunch of big brother clips but like <laughs> private things that we've or just like release the deal like he, he owns all our information it's genuinely really concerning it really is and this is stressing me out so i'm gonna hard pivot yeah. to a conversation topic um but uh shannon like so um I obviously you're like a big reality TV person, specifically Survivor. You're dabbling in the Big Brother because Sari is a queen, um, and I believe you're also an Amazing Race person. But like, I'm excited to dive into like all the other stuff that you love. Um, like, I'm sure we'll hit on like musicals and Taylor Swift and all that stuff. Those are some of the stuff that I wrote down. But um, what was like the most foundational thing from your childhood? Like, th- like any early memories you've associated with like the media, like the first media you've engaged with? Mm, well, when I was in South Africa, I lived in South Africa till I was almost eight. So like I have all my memories delineated, obviously, into the places that I lived. That's how I'm like aware of like my ages. Early on, Cartoon Network. I feel like there were two big things, Cartoon Network and Disney movies. Okay. Um, Cartoon Network was, I don't know if it was the same as the channels across the world, but like Powerpuff Girls, Ed, Ed and Eddie, Dexter's mm-hmm. Lab, Recess. Was a big Recess one. was Cartoon Network in South Africa. That's fun. Yeah, this year was Disney Channel. Was... Oh, maybe it was Disney Channel. I feel like all of this was Cartoon Network <laughs> in South Africa. Yeah. Like, I don't think we even had Disney Channel. I think well, it was all Cartoon Network. It, I have some experience because uh, when I go to visit family in Brazil, like some of the networks would like swap around based on like whatever distribution rights they have internationally. Um, so it, like, I am trying to think of it. But, like, Yu-Gi-Oh, I feel like, was something that I would watch on Cartoon Network in the States, but then in Brazil was, like, on Nickelodeon or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I think I'm right. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me. Dragon Ball Z, that was a big one. Pokemon, mm-hmm. I was doing that. But but this was a little bit later in Australia. But in South Africa, firstly, my parents are always, have always been big media people. Massive musos and also TV. They love TV. Like, they're the reason we watch Survivor because they've been watching Survivor from the beginning. Like, my parents are the kind of people who are always watching, like, multiple different shows. And, and like, it's really impressive how fast they watch TV. They watched all of Succession between the time it took Peter and I to watch episodes two and three, like, in that gap. Well, to be, like, Peter and I have not had a lot of time to, like, sit down and watch. Like, it had been probably a week, but they watched the whole series. So they have always, like, like, instilled in me the value of television. I don't think on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> but they're very big tv people so like we love these shows my brother and i like we were obsessed with cartoon network and then disney movies we obviously had like all of the not dvds at the time it was what like video yeah yeah um i would like really remember we had the like snow snow white was a big one that we'd watch over and over we'd always hide behind the couch when she became the evil queen we were really scared of it and then afterwards they had like a like a kind of behind the scenes, like with all the animation, we always watch that as well, just like with it. Um, and yeah, like just all the the Disney movies, obviously much like Mike Bloom, I'm, I'm halfway through your podcast with him. Um, 
where it's very similar. A lot of the stuff is very similar, but I grew up as well in the golden era of Disney, the golden age through the nineties. So we just had, we were so lucky. Although I think there's something like of a new golden age, but I really believe like the nineties were the time. And it was a very great time to be a Disney fan. I dressed up for Purim as Snow White every single year. Uh, until that dress really was not fitting anymore and also the dress did not look a lot like Snow White it was just a really pretty flower girl dress that I had had and I would just have an apple um <laughs> so I didn't really look like Snow White but I looked like a princess with an apple uh and yeah so those were very much like my early on foundational media introductions yeah um remind me I want to send you a clean bracket because I know you're where you messaged yeah me I was that. trying I was like also it was small so I was like looking it yeah. was difficult the, I will send Disney you a clean bracket if you want to fill that out because I'm curious on like your Disney taste yeah how I could get to the the top Disney song there are some decisions I don't want to have to make yeah no the, like there were <laughs> some like to. that hurt me like to put against each other because the way I created it I was basically like let me go through like and categorize the Disney song. Oh, you like, created it? I created this one. I know there's other Disney song brackets out yeah. there, but I was like, I was, tr- I literally started with like a list of 300. I like, I went through like a list yeah. of every single Disney song. I was like, okay. And then I like cut it down like by like the ones that I feel like would make me upset if they weren't there. And I think I got down to like 75. And then I like had to, those, those last 10 or so cuts were the most hard, but um, so, I tried to so have. Good. I tried to have diversity between like eras and music, but then like the golden era uh, had like so many, like I feel like every single Lion King song was there. Every single Beatles song. Um, And then I just kind of like ranked them by like how I feel like their impact in society. And Mm. um, then like, then made the bracket seeds based on that. But I did, it was a very stressful test. I don't know why I put the stress on myself, but I did. I, I respect it. Like we, we drove to the blue mountains when Marianne was here which is like two hours away and the way back we did like a full Disney sing-along where we would like every person got a choice between me Peter and Marianne we would like rotate and we just did like full Disney and we were just like singing at the top of our lungs which was extremely fun like still to this day if you look at my like most listened to Spotify stuff like it's definitely Disney yeah. Disney and musicals like 100% so I never lost that do you have a favorite song or is that like Picking a I, don't, I, I don't know that I, I feel like I'm now I didn't think it through okay give me like what what would it be what would be my favorite Disney song I need the bracket <laughs> we could do the bracket now no it's too high I mean we can do a follow-up podcast where we just do a Disney bracket but that yeah, would like I'm trying to think maybe break my brain favorite Disney okay let me go to a playlist and then I'll just stop when I find it yeah did Mary <laughs> okay, have any takes that you vehemently disagreed with I remember we did massively disagree on something but I um don't remember like I remember being really anti something and but I don't remember what it was what Peter and her united against me on was that they were very anti like Tarzan Phil Collins stuff and I was like I don't even care I completely agree yeah I'm with Shannon I love the Phil Collins soundtrack in Tarzan it's incredible absolutely incredible I I was like it's my pick and we'll be listening to you'll be in my heart and you'll stop complaining that's that's probably my favorite Disney song that would honestly be up there it's highly up there so I remember them complaining about that I remember complaining myself but I don't remember about what which is honestly (laughs) pretty much I remember complaining but I don't remember about what is pretty much you can put that on my tombstone (laughs) I'll make a man out of you is like not as like a meaningful best but like would probably be top five um Probably You'll Be In My Heart is up there. I'm trying to think. Uh, um, and then probably Go The Distance would be up there. Oh, yeah, that one. 
got yeah. got defeated. But that was like one of my favorites as a child. I think the Hercules soundtrack is underrated. Yeah, it's also one of the ones I know least, but I love that song. And then I probably have to have something from The Lion King. Hakuna Matata is probably a top five. I know you asked for one, but I can't do that. That's crazy. Um, I think that's it. I mean, like I I hadn't actually even seen like Tangled until because and because of that sing along. I hadn't seen, we talked about how I hadn't seen Tangled. So the next night we watched Tangled for the first time. Marianne and Peter both fell asleep. I finished it and I'd never seen it. And, but that day we got my cats. That was a big weekend, massive weekend. We got them that day. And then I see the light obviously was, um, I'm like, this is about like falling, like head over heels in love instantly with something that would change your life. And I literally just got these cats. And then that whole week I just listened to it and cried. So that's like a new favorite, like definitely not like a top 10 or anything, but like in general, that that like, that's my new, my new number one. Reflection, it's got to be top five. It's too many. I'm going to be annoyed at myself when I've forgotten it. I'm sorry this for just like, going through Spotify. This, <laughs> this is like this. those um, preseason podcasts where like you're saying, oh, this person will make the merge. And then you like have a list of like 20 people that yeah, can't exactly. make the merge. I can't. <laughs> I mean, look, that's what I love. Like Disney musicals. If I could listen to one genre for the rest of my life, I would pick musicals because that also includes a lot of Disney now. Yeah. But I think it's because they're all like so beautifully melodic and all tell like evocative stories. Yeah. Like people like laugh at like quote unquote Disney adults. I don't know if I'm a Disney adult. I love I, Disneyland I, yeah. passionately. I I feel like Disney adult has a bad connotation. Yeah, it's derogatory. With the Karens, but yeah. I love being like, I love Disney. I love Disney. Like, I I can't help myself but it's just like so comforting like there's such a like so when I went to Brazil last year I remember I got very stressed out um because my grandmother is struggling with Alzheimer's and I got like I don't know mine too uh, it was just for connecting over that yes (laughs) me too (laughs) it's like awful thing girl same yeah (laughs) um but like it it was just like stressful and then I like I couldn't sleep for like two hours and then I just like put some Disney music and like yeah I was so like stressed but like it was just like I remember feeling like a sense of comfort a little bit um just like it just it just brought me back to like childhood which felt so much easier than adulthood I was having that thought today I was like children are really resilient because they like deal with a lot of stuff but I feel like I'm struggling more as an adult than I was as a child and maybe that's because I know more um but yeah I'll say that all the time recently I'm like I don't want to adult like this is like like when I was a younger and watching like adult not like you know like people in the real world in their 20s now I'm older than them or the 20s to 30s sitcoms you know friends how much mother I'm like, I feel like life is genuinely like even harder than that portrayed. Like, yeah. I mean, those people have some pretty cushy lives, but like all of those like literally made for TV issues. I'm like, it's actually even more difficult than that. So I've been having a reoccurring conversation with my therapist because a lot of like the friendship struggles that I was having is because like I started to romanticize the friendship and what it could be based on my experience watching sitcoms. And I was mm. like, oh, this is like my best friend group. And then when they uh showed their asses in my opinion (laughs) like as Chappelle would say uh that then I was like really struggling with that uh and I don't know like but I can't help but like see this like storytelling in the way that I do it's like I feel like I am just so used to seeing so much media that like sometimes it's just like oh make I make the connections and jumps yeah especially when you watched it when you were younger and that was like oh is that what it's going to be like to be an adult like no life it's actually not like sex in the city I actually blame things like that all the time in terms of getting into media it's like you actually don't write one column and get (laughs) a lot of money every week like that's not yeah 
I wish that would be so cushy, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Carrie has the cushiest life ever. But yeah, in terms of of um, Disney, what were we saying in terms of the the music? And, we were talking about the music uh, about like the comfort. Yeah. Um, but it's also it is comforting, and I love it. But also in terms of being a Disney adult, Disney is great. Like yeah. it's genuinely like they get they they people. How can you? Oh, you like these like kids shows? It's like are they for kids if they get the best? song and musical writers in the world just like every couple of years to just do the new thing like yeah of course i love moana it's Linma Ma miranda yeah and it's excellent so like is that is that for kids like how come they then get like the highest quality things whereas like i as a musical lover can i love like adult musicals but i shouldn't love kid musicals which are by the same creators and are of like the top quality with like the most money backing in the world like yes of course i like it I get very upset with people who are like animation is a kid's medium. And I'm like, no, animation is just a medium for storytelling that like you can do a lot of cool stuff. Like the Lion King has very adult themes. Beauty and the Beast has very adult yeah. themes. Oh, very, and like, if you yeah. rewatch these movements, I've been seeing a lot of these re-releases that they've done in theaters for the Disney hundred celebration. Um, and like recently saw the Lion King again, Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, no, mm. these are like movies that like, while that I was watching them as a kid, because there was stuff in Beauty and the Beast that I was like, this is terrifying as an adult. Like when he screams at her, um, and I'm just like, yeah. these, these, it's just a storytelling medium just because it's different. And it's, there's so much hard work that goes into it. Like I, there's this coworker that I have that like is very snobby about like how animation isn't good because it's not realistic. I'm like, what? Like you love Quentin Tarantino movies. Not those aren't necessarily realistic, but like, I don't know. And I feel like just, I hope that we continue to see like animation be respected in uh, like, I think, the Spider-Verse movie is like a feat of oh, like technical best. skill. Best thing all year. Yeah. So good. Uh, did you watch Elemental? I did. I loved Elemental also. I also really enjoyed it. Um, I, I really enjoyed Elemental. Um, I, Spider-Man's my favorite movie I've seen the entire For year. Sure. And then I recently saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I also really so enjoyed. Yeah, but, but I was like, this is not a kid's movie. I was like, I was a little bit scared. <laughs> like, this is not for children. I think that's one of my favorite action movie scenes that I've ever seen. The one um, uh, that like, no cuts the four of them. Yeah, that one. Yeah. The, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I love animation, I guess, because like a lot of my favorite things that I've seen this seen year Vivo? are animation. No. And Vivo is another Lin-Manuel Miranda musical. Uh-huh. Um, it was on Netflix when I watched it. I don't know if it's on Netflix in Australia or not, but uh, it's about this little kinkachu monkey. Or is, is the kinkachu a monkey? I don't know. But this kinkachu from Cuba who has to deliver a song to Miami. Um, and there's some great songs in there. It's a lot of fun. Okay. I think you would it. enjoy it. That's like our favorite thing on like a Sunday night to like watch, especially if it's like these movies are a bit shorter. <laughs> like, like I remember a couple of years ago, I was having a really bad night. I feel like it was like a podcast thing. And it was during lockdown. I was like, this is done. I like put my phone down. Like we're going to watch a really great movie. And we watched Luca which is like one of my favorite Pixar movies. And I loved it. I love, I love all, and Peter's the same. Like one of our first dates was to Monsters University. So like, will people make fun of this for being a Disney adult, for having been to all of the Disneylands except China and being obsessed with Disney and, you know, theme parks and, well, I mean like obsessed is a strong word. Yes, it's like a top Spotify thing. I do love this a lot. And I will, I will see like pretty much every new Pixar movie that comes out. I just, at this point in my life, at least personally, where I'm like trying to let go of like these preconceived judgments that I feel like people put on me. And like, cause I feel like I've 
spent so much of my time stressing out like you're a guy who likes glee like i i've had so much like i've been on this whole journey about like accepting my masculinity for like being valid even though i like quote unquote more feminine things like disney movies and glee and i'm like just trying to embrace it because like i'm very much trying to live my life in ways that i want to live and do the things that i like and it's not perfect every day like some days i get very insecure but uh I am embracing my Disney adultness. Like, I love Disney. I like going to the parks. I am mad at the state of California that there is no longer a Disney Southern California pass, season pass. And you have to, like, they got rid of that after the pandemic and I was, or uh, after um, lockdown and everything. And I was just like, no, but this was, like, one of the highlights of me moving to LA is that I could go to Disneyland all the time. I want to do that. That's so fun. Also, I just realized another song that should be up there. Do the next right thing from Frozen Two, that doesn't love. get enough love. Like that's the thing. It's like is is that for kids? Because it's literally written by creators who had had children of mm-hmm. theirs pass away. It's truly one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. Is that for kids? No, it's genuinely like beyond grief. Like it's a beautiful song. So there's I mean, so many good songs. In I I remember like as a kid, Brother Bear destroyed me. Like I watched it when I was eight. And, like, I feel like that is definitely, like, very heavy themes of, like, um, like, I need to rewatch that movie because I've only seen it once and I refused afterwards because it made me too sad. But uh, we mentioned Phil Collins and some more bangers from him in that song, in Mm. that film. Mm. Um, Yeah, Marianne and Peter were wrong. Just a great soundtrack. um, So you mentioned Disney movies and maybe this is, like, later on in your life, but, like, were you a Disney Channel original movie person, like the High School Musical trilogy? Or oh, that High School not, Musical, yes. Did that stuff carry over to Australia? No, it carried. Oh, it carried. I mean, I've always thought that, like, I was born in the perfect time for media. Like, I lived through the, like, I was a child through the golden age of Disney. Then I was in middle school for High School Musical. By the way, High School Musical, I was, I put that on every playlist I've ever made. Like, I had a New Year's playlist and, like, then... Like, Started something new? Yeah, definitely. Breaking Free, everything. And I was like, I have no regrets. Like, Breaking just, Free like, is in one of my pool. go-to karaoke songs. A hundred percent. Like, genuinely, it's one of my favorite songs that I will listen to. It's, it's in the Disney playlist, which is great because it's Disney Channel. Yeah, I was in the eighth grade when uh, High School Musical came out. So, obviously, that we learned the whole dance. Like, we were completely obsessed with it. Um, so, yes, all of that carried. Disney Channel in general, um, when I got older like Lizzie McGuire, and then That's a Raven. That's a Raven was the biggest one for me. Still to this day, one of my absolute best friends in the world, we became friends because we were like, talk, just one of our first conversations, we talked about That's a Raven. I was like, I love That's a Raven. She's like, I love That's a Raven. And that's still to this day how I make friends. I love Survivor. You were on Survivor. You like Survivor. And I, that's how I make friends now. So yeah. I love that. Like one of the coolest parts about my job is that like, it's all these like movie and TV nerds that like, um, even if I, uh, don't agree with all, all some of their opinions i'm like oh well we both love this type of movie like or we like this type of movie and i don't know it's just very comforting that like it's all these like nerds who like collected in this job and that's <laughs> also part of the reason why i love rhp it's because like we are obsessed with these shows to the point where like we need to find other people to talk with because there's not a, a, like a community like i grew up like with a not a ton of survivor people in my life and so that's why like i was drawn to rhap and the community is like the most important like rhap is probably the most important thing in my life like survivor is 
always going to be probably my favorite show just because it changed my life. And yeah. in two years, it's going to be half of my life that I spent listening to RHAP and like being That's crazy. Um, like, it's just wild, but it is the most definitive piece of media of my lifetime. And I mean, we're doing this podcast because of it. I uh, listened to this person from Australia talk about all these international versions of survivor and make jokes. And like, you literally like picked me up out of depression at times. And that's just wild. Like, what kind of world we live in where media can be so transcendent and that's because we're all like big fans of these things yeah i feel like i'm someone who really loves things a lot yeah like i obviously like feel very passionate which i relate to and that's what we were talking about on the pre-show with like nick why i identified with him on his seasons of uh australian survivor because he's very passionate as well yeah i find a lot of joy in media i think like the other day i was having a horrible day and then we watched the latest episode of succession which is what we're currently watching and I really loved it. Like, even like, in the, I was like, I've really enjoyed this. Like, this was like a fun event for me. That's how much I like enjoy consuming things. I, like, sometimes my therapist is like, you treat TV shows as homework. And I'm like, but I genuinely love doing this homework. Like, because <laughs> I have a, I, uh, have a big spreadsheet. Uh, Daniel got me into spreadsheeting. <laughs> like, um, and I have color codes and everything. And like, I'm doing the suits watch with Chappelle and Rob and like every time I watch a new episode I'm like it's so rewarding to just like put the little like uh, how Lisa would always say tick like it's like oh tick this episode okay less episodes now but it's just so fun like I love feeling lost in these stories whether it's a reality show whether it's like an animated movie it's just like transporting to a different like story and like interacting and uh, as someone who like has had dreams of writing in the past and like still thinks about it like it's so fun to like just experience different types of storytelling and get lost mm. in them well i don't do the spreadsheets but i've always consumed media since probably high school in like a very analytical way so like even watching sitcoms i would always read the av club reviews av club was a huge i know it's it's changed a bit now but that was a really like huge probably foundational part of like why i'm doing what i do now mm-hmm. and that or even like so now i'll consume anything and we'll always Check out the hashtag on Twitter. Even if I'm binging something like Succession, I will always go on Reddit and see what people were saying at the time, see that analysis. Or even like in my own way that I talk about it, like I feel bad for Peter because, and I do this so much with my brother, where um, we, you know, will anything that we watch, we will just discuss at length. Even if it's something that should be, it should seem more shallow. I will be like, here's my like full scale analysis to the point where like my brother and I talked about the Barbie movie for so long, <laughs> scene by scene. It was like a week later, we were still texting and Peter was like, you need to stop talking. Like we like analyzed it to like its nth degree. And then we saw Oppenheimer and then, like, then that started. So like, it, that's just how I consume media. I, I will never just be like, that was good. And then just move on. Like I want to come out of the movie and be like, let's talk about it. Like I saw the Eras tour movie two nights ago. Yeah, but our, our theater wasn't really singing, so I was just like quietly singing to myself. Um, and my friends were like, I got to go, it's so late. They didn't realize it was three hours. So they like left as it ended and I like stayed and watched the credits. So I didn't get to talk about it with them. So then like one in the morning, they just got like an essay of like, here are all of my thoughts. I'm like, I don't know if you guys wanted to like deconstruct this to its absolute bare bones, but I'm about to. So I need you guys to, to respond in what you thought about the song choices, even though I even knew the song choices, but in yeah. seeing it, I want to talk about how that experience was. So that's why I think I like so luckily got into doing that as my job where I watched the episode of Survival or anything. And it's like, I want to break this apart. 
scene by scene, decision by decision. Like that's my life. You enjoy the communal aspect of TV that I also enjoy, like these stories and like talking about it, like because that's that's something that I love too. It's like I like I usually do like when I I don't know if you have Letterbox, but I have gotten into it and like I don't do like the most eloquent reviews and also like I'm very aware that like my reviews uh, my taste is very chaotic like I can objectively see the flaws of Lyle Lyle Crocodile as a film I gave it four out of five stars because it made me cry and it was so fun and I loved it um and some great songs uh but like I will like do joke answers but then I love just reading other people's reviews like whether it's like a comedic review or just like someone's like response and that's I love uh, like, reading reviews one of my yeah. least favorite parts about the west coast experience like it's the only flaw that I've really learned it's one of the biggest flaws especially when it comes to like reality tv is like the fact that I don't get to like experience like twitter during the commercials like I have to watch survivor generally because like usually I'm at work at five um, so I don't get to watch it until like I get home so and then I go on like twitter and I'm literally reading it for an hour like reading what everyone takes yeah is. And then I feel like I'm like firing off like five tweets in a row. And I'm like, no, you got to stop. You need to like. No, five. That's nothing. (laughs) I just feel like there's like all these tweets um, just like that. I think about it. I'm like, oh, but someone probably already beat me to it. So then I'm like, just like calm down, read things first. But that's like, I will look up the hashtag, like you said, for Survivor. And that's like the thing that I miss the most. And then like catching up in like my little group chats. I'm like, oh my God. And then everyone's like, I have to like read all these walls of text. And then I'm like, by the end, I catch up and I'm like I don't have anything else to say like because everyone said everything yeah Um, I love analysis I do love the communal aspect and I just love like different rich viewpoints like if it is just like I'll do it for the bachelor like I'm like what are people (laughs) saying about this you know like even things that are like it's truly like even something that that it should seem so stupid and the bachelor is really dumb (laughs) but like I I'm in like now in the bachelor franchise I watch it either with my mom or we'll like you know, call and talk about it. I've got like a cousin who watches it and is also obsessed. And then my mom, my mom and I will talk about a bachelor episode for one hour. We will break it down <laughs> for and the decisions and, and the, you know, who's right in each situation, the conflict, golden bachelor now, it's the best thing they've done. Um, I, I literally can't consume something without doing that. I love your mom's game to do it though. Cause like I, my mom would get annoyed with me at the dinner table. Like my, I would be like, so we would like, we watched the office during the pandemic because none of us had ever seen it. And I was like, so who's your favorite character? And she's like, I don't know. Like, and I'm like, just my dad's like that. My dad's like, like who? My dad would watch like a whole season of Survivor and and not know any of their names. In fact, I filmed him during, he was loving heroes versus villains. And I filmed him getting all the names and he actually almost did it. And it was really impressive. So my dad's the one who's like, yeah, you know, it was good, whatever. But, um, and Peter, like, I think does, you know, he will talk about it, but I don't think he needs like the verbal essay, <laughs> like the personal podcast after every single thing. Um, but he like, ob- like Peter's ob- like an obsessive media person is only like he also has like his own like games and hobbies and, and football and everything that he is so obsessed with in the same way that I am with Survivor, where he literally podcasts about fantasy football and he could talk about like his passions that often coincide with mine um for days as well so like that that works but yeah my brother and I two extremes and my mom as well especially for something that she loves like the bachelor um she'll we will break it down so much we've got like we could do I think my mom and I should do a bachelor podcast genuinely I'm here but for she it. got me she she was always what I would watch and then I kind of dipped out and then came back but she always loved The Bachelor and I was like, oh, I'm just watching it ironically. And now I'm aware that I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm all in. So I she's had a that. hot 
bachelor flame for a couple years and then like over time i like kind of petered out it's just like if they were one hour episodes i feel like i could stick with i do it, other like... stuff while i watch it okay that's smart um do you ever yeah. watch things on faster speeds or can you not do that no i do that all the time okay especially at the moment like yeah, yeah especially now with like big brother <laughs> three times a week so i'm like we're 1.7ing that all the yeah. time so i yeah. i feel like it's probably not the healthiest for me, but I watch so much stuff on like two speed or like anything I'm watching 5. alone on my laptop. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't <laughs> miss one single thing. So if I watch on 1.7, I do this with podcasts too, or listening on 1.8 or whatever, and then go back if I miss anything. It's actually a yeah. torturous and horrible way to consume anything, but I get it all. And I watch it probably in the same amount of time that I would have at one speed with all the going back, but that's the way I've chosen to watch. It feels faster in the moment. I, I, feel like because then my uh, this is probably a weird mentality but i'm like if i watch everything faster then i can watch more stuff then i can listen to more podcasts i know I can get, oh my God, that's, that's how my brain works the weight of of content and how much i'll never be able to consume everything in my lifetime genuinely stresses me out like all the time so, it's so overwhelming yeah that's why I'm i've taken to understand. like <laughs> there are things now like the amazing race and even The Bachelor now where it's like, if I'm doing just like pointless admin work, I'll kind of have it on in the background yeah. because that's the only way to get through. Otherwise, not like The Golden Bachelor, then some things graduate too. You will get my undivided attention. That's what The Golden Bachelor got. But Bachelor in Paradise is even terrible. So I'm like, now you're on in the background. But I'm I, still but I'm still aware. I'm still going to yeah. analyze it though. I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but someone was like, are you watching House of Villains? Like, I cannot. Like, I will look at the Wikipedia page, but if I tried to watch this show too, I would like lose my mind. That's why I gave up on the challenge because it wasn't bringing me joy. Um, And I'll listen to the podcast to find out what happens. Um, Yeah, that's a lot at the moment as well. Like, I've been covering a lot. So I'm just trying to like get through it. Yeah. Um, And so we talked about uh, Disney Channel. Uh, Were you like, so... You mentioned some of the sitcoms that you liked early on, like That's a Raven, like the early sitcoms, Lizzie McGuire. Uh, were there any, like, was Nickelodeon a big thing at all for you all? Or I wasn't not? a big Nick kid. Yeah. I wasn't. Um, it was much more Cartoon Network and the Disney okay. Channel. A lot of other people really liked Nickelodeon, but I can't say that any of that was, like, foundational to me. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, like, I remember in terms of, like, delineating my life into when I moved, when I moved to Australia in the like first week, I remember we were like living at my family friends for like that first month. And it was while I was staying there. So it must've been like immediate. And I discovered the Simpsons. I don't know if that's, a, that's not a, really a sitcom, but that it is it's the just same, animated, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's a, it is a comedy. I guess it yeah, is situational. Not, I, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't really be defined as such, but that like, that's why I said you could just take Mike's podcast and listen, just like sub me in. Just and like... I know with Nick, that's another big foundational thing with him. Cause like, I remember he talked about it. Was it on the Taryn show years ago? And yeah. then I was writing a paper about the Simpsons at the time. And I was like messaging him. I was like, and he's like, send it to me. And then he like, I think he showed it to his class. I have to, it, this is an email like buried deep years ago, but that was, that's something fun that like the three of you all share in common. And I, I mean, I love the Simpsons also. I, yeah bought these when I went to amazing the Funko Pop store I do wonder how much of like you know like feeling like with Nick and with Mike it's like we're kindred spirits separated at birth it's like were we or were we just all raised on the Simpsons <laughs> and we just express things exactly the same because we're just like such funneling that that's the Simpsons through as adults because yeah that was so that was the first media that I felt shaped me as a human being like that was the first media where I felt like this is my personality and it would not be the last there are so many things survivor taylor swift 
Hamilton where I feel like I've been like known as that and definitely defined myself as like these pieces of media. But Simpsons was a million percent the first one. I remember in my about Mitzvah speech saying in the part about my brother that we have our own secret language and that language is just Simpsons quotes. Like it was hugely foundational to how I probably built my humor and personality at the age of eight years old. It was massive to how I thought about consuming media. Like I remember, because we came to it late and we would watch it. And then like, but I was very aware of like, so I don't even know how I did this without like the internet and being a child, but I was aware of like how many of the Simpsons episodes we'd seen. And I remember we watched the boxing episode and that was like, we'd, that was when we'd seen all the episodes. Like we got, we got our hands on that episode because it was like the last one we hadn't seen. That was the first time I've like, I binged something to its completion. And then they can make more episodes. So now I've <laughs> fallen behind, but yeah, just the way I express it. Even now I will say something in a certain inflection or tone. And then hours later be like, I think I was quoting The Simpsons, but I don't even know what it was. This happened recently where someone was like, oh, this line in the podcast was really funny. And I was like, I think I'm like, it's not a quote, but it's like in the vibe of a Simpsons tone. Like, it sounds like something Homer would say. I'm like, what am I even quoting? It's so ingrained into who I am as a human being at such a important time of my life. And like from the age of eight that I truly, and that's how I think. I think that Nick and Mike and we all just, we're all just little Simpsons (laughs) I could also very much see like either Nick or Mike being the Bart to your Lisa. I feel like, did I ever see, I I feel like I was the Bart. That's the issue is that my brother is the Lisa. smarter than I am. I was older. I'd like, I wasn't Bart either. Honestly, we're probably both two little Lisas, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I I didn't identify with anyone. I just feel like, Hey, again, it's like Disney. It's like, it's so good. Like old school era Simpsons is genuinely just like incredible content. And it was, I don't know why it just, that made, that changed my life, The Simpsons, for so many years. I also like really appreciate the fact that you love The Simpsons, which on it by itself is like very metatextual and referential to like other oh, media. And yeah. it's also very analytical about like the state of the world and like everything. And it's just like very, it encapsulates like a lot of things that we've already discussed, like that you love analysis, that you love like media and that like storytelling and feel like there's like a lot there in the Simpsons that mm. like referential to like other properties but also like very self-referential very like aware of what's happening yeah and as Mike said as well it's like th- that kind of meta-ness um it's the kind of thing that you see new things in it when you watch mm-hmm. it as an adult I haven't watched the Simpsons in so long but in the times that I have gone back to old episodes obviously everything holds up like now my relationship with the Simpsons is following a bunch of like Simpsons quote page on Facebook and then laughing and also just quoting it all the time like do do I do one Simpsons quote a day I think probably yes like I think if you were to look back if there was some way to tally how many days of my life I've quoted something from the Simpsons it would probably be like 85 percent but with like without any meaning to do that um how do you feel about the movie I liked the movie a lot I know you said in the, the podcast with Mike that you it was you loved it what what year did the movie come out that was like a big thing july 27th uh 2007 my 10th birthday so that's why i was in high school yeah it was like it's one of my top 10 at least favorite movies of all time like i rewatched it on my birthday this year or a couple days before my birthday just because it's like very much like one of my favorite movies uh and i i just like i could quote that movie like front to back probably really Um, i i feel like i i mean that was i was in high school so i feel like maybe i was like shifting out of that a little bit but like I definitely watched it and loved it yeah. and watched it multiple times it was 
the talk of the town in fifth grade. Like we were all quoting Spider Pig and all that. Yeah. It was the same in year nine, honestly. Like we weren't both. <laughs> That's literally me always though. Like I'm quoting, like, uh I think uh there was like some you talked about the soundboard today on your or whenever you recorded the podcast with Rob, uh the soundboard in like the early era of RHUP, that like that era. And like I said something, I think I said basically I'm a badass or something one of these Sam Wando sir quotes, and I was like, no one understands what I'm referencing, but I like it made me happy and just there's it's so fun to like quote things that like bring a hundred percent literally yeah. and that is so much of my personality is just quotes yeah. and, like even like the other day i said that you know the way i say that i love my brother i love you bae with a y yeah. sanwon delser is that a girl's quote. mom yeah so genuinely it really is it's like how you connect to other people like it's those references it's that shared language that yeah. we all have with each other that we've created um so yeah simpsons was a huge part of that and then but you mentioned the meta-ness so when I was in high school, I'm like, sorry, skipping like ahead. No, you're good. I couldn't introduce myself, but I'll just like <laughs> move along to my next thing. Go wherever um, you want to go. I'm, I'm here for the ride. Well, because the, the whole like intertextuality and meta and all talk of about that. Community? Or no? Yes, nope. next. But when I, was, well, when I was in high school, we studied a lot of that in English oh. and I loved it. Like, nothing could be cool than something that like referenced itself or referenced yeah. something else, like intertextuality, all of that. Like it felt like, very you know very intelligent and everything like that so in high school the one that got me and this was it very much in my sitcom era high school was like my binge sitcoms repeatedly era randomly i think i started with malcolm in the middle i think it was i odd. love malcolm i also yeah. watched that in high school randomly like it was on netflix and i like binge watched it i couldn't tell you much of what happened besides like yeah. the Facebook structure but like i remember like specific locations that they were at and i remember having a great time with it i remember that was the first sitcom i'd like binge again like in full so was that in like in 2007 that was like I probably finished it like at the beginning of high school and then then I was in my sitcom era which I love I I love I love a good sitcom to this day sitcoms are so comforting if you can recommend me a great sitcom that I haven't watched I love that I Um, was did you watch How I Met Your Father also or no I didn't because I'm like really burned on How I Met Your Father valid that's very valid but like just watching it like it reminded me like the I I feel like we don't have a lot of these like people just vibing like, like yes. traditional sitcoms anymore like multicams like just like every episode is kind of like we don't have these anymore like a lot of our comedies these days are like overarching serialized type stuff mm. and like there's like episodes that like hangout comedies yeah need, but like yeah. i love abbott elementary but like there, it's it's different. yeah it's not but i love abbott but i feel like abbott elementary is rare like i feel yeah. like we don't get like i feel like the golden age of sitcoms that was probably when i was like it was i mean from the 80s to the 90s yeah. to high school but i feel like we don't get it as much anymore yeah. um so in terms of like yeah the hangout comedies um happy endings is like it i've always said if you can like, i remember one time peter was like got you everything that you know i got you the thing you want most for your birthday i was like you got me a fourth season of happy endings <laughs> like genuinely i want to rewatch it because i love it so much like the hangout comedy and i like happy endings as well as like yeah scarily fast paced in a way that might make people on edge but I really enjoy it's the kind of thing where like it's a joke every literally second which I love do you like family sitcoms like Full House George Lopez at all I have I never watched it I feel like those were a bit before my time okay well because there's a really good recent one called One Day at a Time um it's the reboot uh that's one of my favorites and it's um it's Latino so I'm also biased but I have seen that it's so good like I I love it like check out an episode if you don't vibe with it you don't vibe with it but I I it's just like so wholesome but then it also like will hit you in the gut sometimes and make you cry 
Well, I need like good sitcoms. Like we we watch like all of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Peter's big into like sitcoms over dramas, so he is watching Succession. But it's like he likes it, but it's more under duress compared to <laughs> sitcoms. And I also like I like dramas too, but I would choose a sitcom. I, so I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but in in high school, I mean, Friends was a big thing. We talk about Friends separately. I love Friends. What's friends your What's your hottest Friends take? Oh, I love Ross. <laughs> oh, I think you mentioned this I on the reunion podcast alive. that you did. Yeah, with no, Peter, I, right? I did. I did that. I think we did it in his. Um, we did a tier list. Ah, uh, that might have been it. Yeah. Um, Friends. Well, I mean, this isn't the meta thing, but Friends is its own thing because Friends is like, Friends is like a. It's it's almost impossible to explain like how important Friends is to me as a piece of media. Um, it's like my comfort show to the point where. Like, if you see me watching Friends, like, you should be worried about me. Okay. <laughs> like, something is, tor- like, at this point, something is horribly wrong. Like, I was thinking about this recently. Like, I have watched Friends on every, like, bad day of my life. Like, worst day. Like, the, like literally, like, I came home from, like, my grandma's Zoom funeral. I, like, turned on Friends. It's just, like, a trauma response. I, knew, I came home when my cat, Melly, passed away in June. Just sat down and turned on Friends. I don't think that I had even watched Friends all year. And it just like my, I, like, I don't even, like, it's not even, I don't even have to talk about it. I sit on the couch and just put on friends. Mm-hmm. It's so much of a comfort show for me. I think because I, they're my friends. Like, yeah. I love them. It's like, I, I want to hang out with them. And I, I, I've i seen it all, other than the back half of season nine, like the Joey Rachel stuff, I've seen that stuff in a limited fashion. Yeah. But I've seen it so many times. I know it off by heart. It's so comforting to me. And it's still, like, I know that, like, these shows don't hold up as well. But I think, like, from a human perspective and a quality perspective, Friends does hold up. Yeah. It makes me laugh genuinely. I think it's genuinely good. I'm actively invested in these stories all the time. And, yeah, it's just, like, absolutely my comfort show. Like, when I was, like, my most depressed in 2020, like, I binged Friends in a way that was concerning. Like, it, it was on TV, like, on, like, network television. I think at, like, 6 and 7 every night. And I was like, I'm not going to get through the things I need to get through. I'm barely getting through my day, but I will be in front of that television at 6 and 7 p.m. watching these episodes and like, don't disturb me. It, became, it was like kind of probably a bit of an OCD thing, but like also I was like, this is tethering me to reality right now. So Friends is just like my ultimate comfort show. Yeah. I love Friends. Like, I mean, for me, like a lot of my earlier, I, I remember like very faintly, but I remember my mom watching the finale and like watching it with her. Like, I don't remember how old I was. I must've been like eight or something. What was it? 2004? Yeah. Something seven or eight. And I just remember that. And like, I got off the plane. Like I love this show deeply. Like, and I think because of my job, I am a little more desensitized to friends than I was before I started this job. I work at Warner brothers as a tour guide. So I talk about friends all day and that's like, I genuinely like said, like at the start of all my tours, like I want to know what you're all fans of. I love friends. Um, I love friends. And it's just so desensitized. Like the theme song doesn't hit me in the same way it used to just because I hear it all day long sometimes. That and it's dream, honestly. Just sad. It's sad that it, like, you're describing it like it's bad, but you're living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I just feel sad that it desensitized my love for the theme song because, like, that theme song would come on and I would like be so excited. And it would also air a lot in Brazil, like, um, on the random channels that they had there. Like, Friends is. I got into an argument with my friend Will on a podcast, not not uh, Will from America, uh, Davis Comma Will, because he's not a Friends guy, and I was like, oh, I love Friends. Um, and I think it's probably the most, like the biggest show in the world, uh, at least top five, just like around the world. I think Friends yeah. is just even, especially after getting uh, this job, uh, like 
people like I've had like maybe five tours out of like probably over a thousand that I've done that had zero friends fans. It's there's always at least one friends fan and usually it's the whole card. Yeah. It's sad for me because I feel like because of the pressure of content and how we're never going to like, you know, consume all the content that we want to, my rewatching days are basically over. So now I I feel like I can't, I can't allow myself to watch friends and like rewatch it again and again, again, unless I'm like in an extremely bad place with something, which is an unfortunate, like, (laughs) way to think about it i've kind of been i like struggle with rewatching content honestly and uh, for me like friends like i use like i i can't fall asleep without something in the background right now um so when i first got this job at warner brothers it was friends and i would put the sleep timer on for like 90 minutes and hopefully i would fall asleep by then but some nights i would like listen to like three hours of friends flip that and just like be like listening and vibing with the characters so like um but i remember like i would watch friends clips on youtube when i was in bad moods like there's like some oh you know what moments. the best is friends bloopers oh yeah well we have those on the cart um that i was so upset that we weren't allowed to play friends media on the cart until like a couple weeks ago uh because it's like i want to show you all these clips from friends but they're not on the regular clips like no there's no friends clips in our regular stuff it's all like other stuff and i was like but this is like why these people are here but I cannot wait until you get to see the lot because like you're gonna have a great day <laughs> yeah I definitely want you one day like and I also I know it so well yeah that I'm very aware of like where like what kind of comfort do I want do I want the kind of comfort where like Ross and Rachel are happy in season two do I want the kind of comfort of like the kind of high energy sneaking around Monica and Chandler season five that's you know like I, 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 I like I'll just yeah I'm very aware. I'm like, I want this specific episode. I want this specific joke and laugh. <laughs> That's what's going to make me feel better today. I feel like you probably have like your weird niche. Like no one appreciates this episode of Friends or Survivor the way I do. Like for me, it's the one that Monica makes all the candy for the neighbors. I love that episode. Like specifically when Joey is like yelling for like more candy and the guy's like, what's her name? Candy Lady. And that, I don't know. That, mm-hmm. that episode just cracks me up. It's such I a think- wholesome thing. Yeah, like my my episode takes are probably pretty cold, honestly. Like I feel like I love all the ones that people love. Yeah. I just like I but I love Ross. Like and that is like the hottest friends take alive. And well, I defended it to my to my dying breath. I think like so growing up I was like Joey was my favorite at one point. Like Joey Chandler, like I love Monica, but like not in the same way that I love all the other characters. I think I could like make an argument that like any of the other ones are the funniest because I see the most of myself in monica and i'm like yeah mm. i am monica yeah so. <laughs> but i think rachel is sneaky funny and like people don't respect her on tour like no one ever says rachel's their favorite Aww. like uh a lot of people like say ross is a joke but i'm like no i think i think they're all great and like david schwimmer is an acting genius like yeah, you cannot convince otherwise i also love his role as melman the giraffe in madagascar but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. ross as a giraffe well that's why like the one where ross is fine is like my favorite episode of friends that's, that's the season two, season ten episode. Season two? ten, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even but, though but it is a Joey Rachel episode, yeah, I, I, you could sub me in for David Schwimmer. I could do that entire part. I love that episode. I mean, like otherwise, like it's, I've got like all you know the one with the prom video, the one where everyone finds out, like all the major hits. But and that's and the one where Ross is fine, I think, is a, a one that people love. I guess my hottest take is that I, I like season ten quite a lot. Is that a hot take? I, I like the Barbados episode. Is that a hot take? Would you judge me probably. for that? Probably. That's not that good an episode. <laughs> no. It's, I, I don't know. Even though it was like probably Too all much on Joey, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was probably all the soundstage, but I like love the fact that it's in a tropical location. <laughs> well, it definitely was a soundstage. Um, so, yeah. That is a hot take, I think. I don't know if you want me to tell you what happened in the Geller house, which is the prom video house um, last week, but my friend 
I'm going to tell you anyways. My friend was doing a tour and a kid peed in the Geller house, like peed his oh, pants. No. And I was like, don't desecrate this place. No. <laughs> yeah, this is an important place. Yeah, so friend, Friends was a big one. Um, but no, but like my, so when I was in my sitcom era and my like love of medaness, um, Scrubs was massive for me. Scrubs is still, and we watched it during um, COVID. We rewatched I will, Pete had never seen it. I watched it with him. And um, I watched Scrubs like, probably two or three times in like the space of a year in, in year 11. And I did a lot of my, like, cause I was obsessed with that. I did a lot of my, what would you call it? Year 12, um, senior year. Like, like I did a lot of, yeah, we, we did like major projects. And, and I did, I did like, I got the music from the Scrubs musical from the like music director. I don't even know how I did that. And like analyzed the like TV musical through the lens of Scrubs. Cause I was so obsessed with Scrubs and it was so cool. And so different. I had these like themed episodes and it was like, meta at times um i thought like kind of revolutionary for its time so like yeah in 2009 i probably watched scrubs multiple times i had like a little ipod with all the episodes on it and i would just like watch it on my tiny little ipod <laughs> just like ran and again i would like pick out my favorite episodes still something to this day even though i watched it once pretty much since high school i could still to this day pick out the episodes that i love and that would be my favorites to go to but then that led the way for a much more revolutionary show that like built on, I feel like those key like meta concepts, but that was community, Mm -hmm. which I got into in about 2011. And that was, so that was like right post high school and was completely obsessed with, and that I think was, was helpful as well in terms of getting into this like post show analysis, because that was like rich with analysis. Like I learned so much through watching and analyzing and consuming content around community, um, especially those first three seasons. I'm pretty sure I got into it, in the third season of community. So I'd like binged it probably multiple times to the point where it was live. And then I'd like watch the new episodes like multiple times when it came out that week. So scrubs and community, I feel like were really, really a big, I'm just like going chronologically through my life. I remember you were on the podcast for the um, stop motion holiday episode of community. Yeah. Right? And that mm-hmm. is one of my all time like holiday episodes. things yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, watch it on Christmas. Yeah. I'm, I'm joking. And- <laughs> That's my... It's so good. And it's it's so magical. Like there's so that like that's an episode that contains like this like movie magic. Like yeah. especially after working, like and I know you have like experience like behind the scenes on productions like with Talking Tribal. Um and like you've been like part of the process and like you've also we didn't talk about your um producing credits on Sarah South Africa. <laughs> um, um but like uh it's just sometimes like I feel like I lose the movie magic just like having seen how it all gets made but like that episode like maybe because like stop motion is such like a foreign concept to me and like how it comes to life like I know the basics but it's just so like I can't describe it other than like magical and whimsical and fun yeah and I also well community I think as well was a show that was really good about like always being like on the edge of cancellation. So it built this like real community around like, I'm a community, like ironically, like literally, like I'm a community fan. Like that's like a badge of honor and pride. Like you don't watch community. Like this is this like cool niche intelligent show that's like always getting canceled. We're like fighting for our lives over here. Okay, It's like kind of being an international survivor fan. Um, And yeah, that's what it is. It felt like this like little home. And it again was something that probably was like a point of identity for me. And to this day, those first three seasons, which I also rewatched during COVID, they hold up. I got my parents and brother into community during the pandemic because I had seen it. Actually, my community origin story is Gordon Holmes and Rob used to do like survivor podcasts where they would check in about community like way back mm. during like because when mm. I 
first got into RHP, my first season was One World. So then I like when I was in high school, I was like backlogging all the I was like, oh, give me like all these Nicaragua podcasts, all these like I was listening to everything. And uh, they did some check ins about communities like they keep talking about the show. Let me watch it. And I fell in love with it. I remember I like binge like the first three seasons in like two weeks, probably maybe yeah. maybe maybe more. But um, the first three seasons are incredible. And the first few episodes of season five. Season five, episode four, the one where Pierce dies. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um, but did you see the, all this like Chevy Chase stuff with the yeah? Yeah, Nicole he said Brown? he never liked them. Yeah, and she, yeah. she quote tweeted him and was like, "Okay." And because I also love her because she was Helen on Drake and Josh. But um, we already described that you're not the biggest Nickelodeon. I mean, I watched Drake and Josh, <laughs> but I don't feel like I felt like I casually wasn't yeah. Nickelodeon fan. Of Nickelodeon, I feel was a big thing in Australia. Like there were people watching, but I'm like. They just wasn't, I don't know, yeah. it wasn't hitting the same for me. Um, now, uh, w- were there any, like, other big sitcoms that, like, are really, like, transformative for you? Um, and, like, of the modern sitcoms, besides Abbott Elementary, does anything really, like, stand out? Like, are you watching Bob Hart's Abishola every week? No, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, like, out of the game. I mean, Survivor has taken up a lot of my TV watching time in terms of podcasting. Like, I have a lot less time. Mm-hmm. How many binge. times you watch an episode out of curiosity of Survivor? It depends which one. Okay. Like US Survivor, I watch it, I watch it, and then I like watch it again okay. in like, but like fast. Yeah. Um, like Australian Survivor, I watch it for Talking Tribal, then I watch it kind of probably fast again, or at least like skip through. Then I do Talking Tribal, then I watch it live in live tweet, and then I probably watch it at, or at least skip through a fourth time. Okay. Like by the time, by the time I've, I've, I'm doing that recap. I've probably seen most of it four times. So, and it just like, I feel like I'm a lot busier now. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I'm like, oh, we rewatched this during the pandemic. It's like, obviously that's why I had a lot more time during yeah. lockdown to watch these things. Otherwise, like I haven't had as much time to watch things live or to binge things. Um, in terms of like sitcoms, I mean, look, I had like, you know, reverence for the OGs, definitely like went back, binged Seinfeld. I remember my brother and I like, started at the same time had a bit of a binge race and I remember I won and he was like this isn't really a good thing this just means you have more time on your hands than I do um that was also around high school but in terms of like foundational I mean sex in the city was a big one for me not that it's really a sitcom that was a big like I would like come home on a Saturday night and what they always had like four episodes on so I would just like it's like it's it's the kind of show where I feel like it's not important to me now Mm -hmm. definitely the reboot like I watched two episodes of it and I was like I need to stop because I think it's making me hate the original Sex and the City like I hate it so much that it's now like backlogging to how I feel (laughs) about the OG content um but like when you're in high school I feel like that that all that kind of stuff actually in terms of the grown-up stuff I wanted to watch grown up um the OC Gossip Girl Sex and the City were foundational for me at the time but probably don't translate to like how they've you know the longevity of how important they've been to me so. yeah no i um recently got into gossip girl and i took a break because i was watching it for maddie g's podcast and mm. i was like okay i gotta binge like three seasons because like he booked me on the podcast and then i was like oh i got time to and then i was like oh no this is coming up i gotta binge watch it and the second then the third season especially like i was like oh this is really good writing like I again like I probably like prejudged it without like giving it a chance and they're like oh it's gossip girls about this like news blast like high school drama it's like oh no the like writing like the way that like they tie all the characters back together is like really well executed in my opinion um and the what you do when Thanksgiving dinner 
is lives rent free in my mind that that is like cinema to me <laughs> um, for me yeah that was more the oc like the oc was on when i was like in middle school i was too yeah. young and i get why my parents didn't want me to watch it now that i'm an adult but at the time i was like everyone else is watching it i need to watch this um, yeah at some point like i was too young to be watching the oc yeah but we were i was upset those first two seasons it was the kind of thing where like i would a friend and i if we had like a weekend which is binge the first season of the OC. We'd get the DVD and just watch the entire season. Like how many times I saw those first two seasons of the OC? Probably countless. So those were big ones. And then Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls was, was something ask, where- Gilmore Girls something comforting for you at all or no? Very much. I had always like, I'd even read the Gilmore Girls books, which they oh. had like made them into books. And I had seen most of the season, but I'd never actually binged it in full. And then I went through this like horrible breakup and I remember I was like, well, what am I going to do with my time? I'm like, well, I'm going to watch all of Gilmore Girls. I remember it was like two days after the breakup. I was just like lying there. My mom was like, what can I get you? And I was like, get me the first season of Gilmore Girls on DVD. And I binge watched it in its entirety in, in five weeks. Pretty much all I did was just binge watch Gilmore Girls. And I came out of it and I was like, I feel like I'm, not that I was cured, but I was like, I've been through, like there was me pre-Gilmore Girls and there's me post-Gilmore Girls. So that's like behind me now. <laughs> so that was very important to me. Well, uh, Gilmore Girls is one of the other big shows that we had on the lot. Uh, to the extent that Monica and Ross's childhood home is Mrs. Kim's antique store. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Gilmore Girls obviously means a lot to me as like a fast talking, yeah. pop culture referencing brunette person. Like obviously <laughs> I saw a lot of myself in Rory and Lorelai. Peter also really loved Gilmore Girls actually. I've so only seen the first season. I need to get back into it. But again, there's so much content and I feel like every time, yeah. like these shows that have already ended, it's like, I feel like I already got spoiled on these. I will prioritize these later uh, for whatever reason, like Suits has stuck, but like, it's hard for me to like stick with something yeah. without jumping around. That's why I needed the time. That's why the time I was like, what can I, what can I do in this phase of my life where I've just gone through a breakup? I'm 20 years old and I've got nothing else going on right now. I was like, this is my time. Or I might never see all of Gilmore girls in one go. Yeah. And I did it. I'm so happy I did it. Like that was, so that, that wasn't like, it's not that it's a company show to me now, but that's like yeah. a time in my life where it's like, that's when I watched the Gilmore Girls. I know a lot of people who like Gilmore Girls is their comfort show, the way like you describe Friends. Yeah. Like it's I know for that. Like, um, well. It's very fair. Uh, were you a Parks and Rec person? That's the only yep, one. Yeah, I watched all I watched all of that time. I was I like Parks and Rec, 30 Rock. I love like Brooklyn Nine-Nine stands I out. That Nine -Nine. I really loved Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I watched New Girl. New Girl. I watched it all. I don't even know how I died. I watched every sitcom, I yeah. feel. Yeah, all the main ones. Um, and then uh, you've mentioned musicals, and I know you're a big Hamilton fan. Mm. Uh, like, at what point was that, like, is this in the same time period that, like, you really got into musicals as well? Like, I'm trying to think. Hamilton came out when I was in high school, so this probably was, like, around when you were in university. I was late to Hamilton. Okay. I was late. I, I was thinking about this. So I, I did a whole podcast on it that people should check out when the movie. Yeah, came out. I'm still really proud of that podcast. That I was a great Hamilton podcast. So much. It, it's Hamilton is maybe like other than Survivor, like the most core piece of media. I feel and to you've seen it now. when we went to Australia, right? I saw it on Broadway and oh. I saw it in Australia. And I've obviously the movie is my favorite movie. Although people can test that, but like that's not really a movie. I'm like it's the Hamilton movie. It is. Hamilton. <laughs> that's my favorite movie of all time because I'm not really as much a movie person. Like I've never had a good answer for what my favorite movie is. It is suddenly 30 or 13 going on 30. It has a different name internationally or like Mean Girls or like, but things that aren't like that I love or like the Fault in Our Stars used to be it. Like I have movies I love, but I never had a good like favorite movie. I loved like The Notebook, but like none of these things were like as key to me as yeah. like a top 20 TV shows until I, Hamilton. That's I my number one. This. Like, I feel like 
it's so much easier with TV. And then like with movies, I'm like, these are all movies that I would say are like in my top 10 to 20, but like, I can't like, yeah, exactly. one is my favorite. Like I don't have a favorite movie of all time. If I had to, like I would probably say Finding Nemo just because it, it's very like important we'll to my life. Great but, Reef. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big one. The, the, I mean, like, look, the Disney movies are yeah. obviously very key, but I feel like that ties into like music. That's more of like an experience. I feel like otherwise, like just movies, I'm very much more like, again, like I have, I can tell you how like this particular TV show helped me change my life. Whereas movies are something I like really enjoy, but I just, I, I've never had like a great answer for like the films that have like changed my life or like been as like transformational for me. But I love the movie watching and going experience. Like for me, the height of relaxation is like going to see a movie and I do go see most, well, like a lot of movies. I feel like all the time, I'm like very much someone who goes to the cinema and watches movies um I remember like when Australian Survivor ended this year and I'd been so busy I hadn't had even like a night off in like six weeks and then we went and we watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie and we That's were sitting a there time. it was really great and I was yeah. sitting there in my like fold like my my lounge seat with my frozen coke my popcorn and pods I do all three you got to do the sweet salty sugary all of it and I remember turning to, to me and I'm like this is relaxation like yeah. this this is time off. This, that, like, that's how it feels to me. So I love like the experience of going to the movies. I love like if Peter and I have a movie we really want to watch and we like have a date night just at home, make popcorn, watch movies. I love that. But I don't think any movie for me is as transformational. So that's why I say Hamilton. Um, but yeah, in terms of musicals, um, I would say I've always loved musicals. Like it's it's in me to love them. Because again, it's storytelling, it's beautiful melodies. It's, it's everything I would love. Like it's dramatic, all of those things. But I feel I was held back by the availability the accessibility of theater being mm -hmm. in australia so for me like i've if i think back i've always loved it early on my, my grandma showed me joseph and the technicolor dreamcoat always loved that musical that was our first dance peter and i we did it to go 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 joseph from joseph and the amazing technicolor dreamcoat you did a mashup um, right i feel like i saw a clip yeah of, we yeah. did um as long as you love me by the backstreet boys yeah, into and that see that and that's why like it's like the meaning and importance like that shows my love of musicals and this like really important day in my life that I would honor that, that I would honor that my grandma showed it to me. Like that's the meaning that I find in things. Um, so there was that. And then in 2007, the Hairspray movie came out. I feel like that in hindsight was really, really important to like my formation of loving musicals. Um, and then Book of Mormon was a really big one. My That was, again, a lot of me is just stealing my personality from my brother and probably vice versa. And that's why we're the same. But he had heard about Book of Mormon and why it was so great. He was probably more of like a South Park fan. I, I was never really into that. Um, but he'd like, you know, really love those writers. And, and we both really loved the sense of humor eventually of Book of Mormon, um, which we saw when we went to London in 2013. And I love Book of Mormon. Like at that point, I was like all into listening to the whole soundtrack. We'd seen it. Like that to me was probably the first like really important musical that I'd seen live that like got me into musicals. But then I was behind on Hamilton. Um, my story of how I found Hamilton was, it's very, very weird. I feel, I think it was, um, I think it was as late as 2017 because again, like the accessibility, like I'm not in New York doing these things. Although I will say the accessibility of theater in Australia is so much better now. Like I've, I'm seeing Wicked on the weekend. Like there's so much theater now all the time. Um, but it was 2017 and I was in my car on Instagram. It must've been, yeah, on Instagram and Andrea Belke's Instagram story, she was singing or she had the music of, 
I know my sister like I know my own mind. You will never find anyone as trusting or as kind. And I was like, that's the most beautiful melody I've ever heard. So I searched the lyrics, which actually led me to the Reynolds pamphlet and not to Satisfy. It's like, clearly <laughs> I'm one of my Satisfied here. And I was all in. I was like, this is, the, this is amazing. And I just binged it and became completely obsessed with it. I feel like I can say book? so much about Hamilton. Like, the which book? The, the, the one that it's that Lynn read. Um, that like no, I've never read that no. book. I Peter got me the book of like the making of the musical, okay. which is amazing. It's in my room if I had it here. I, but I know I haven't read the actual Hamilton book. Um, but so for me, that was about 2017. I got into podcasting in 2018, and I feel like Hamilton like held my hand through those first few years. Anyway, I loved it. I binged it. I saw it at the beginning of 2019 in New York. But the reason I think it was so important to me was firstly, it's the best thing ever written. It's amazing in every way. Every time I listen to it, I hear new things. It's so laid and so complex and just like an amazing way to write characters. Like it's just the height of drama, I feel. But also in those first couple of years that I was podcasting, I feel like I was pushing myself out of my comfort zone so frequently in such uncomfortable ways because I felt I had to, and I'm glad mm. I did, but ex experiences and opportunities that would have been like so alien to me. If you told me two years ago, it's like, you're going to do this. You're going to go into channel 10 and have a meeting about possibly being on TV. You're going to do know it alls with Rob. You're going to host your own podcast. I would have been like, Oh, I can't do any of that. So the plight of Hamilton himself, even though, yes, my brother reminded me many times that this ends in tragedy. I'm like, I hear you, but I don't see you. You know, like, <laughs> So um, the plight of that was very much what hooked me on to like it before every opportunity in through my nerves, I would listen to my shot. I would you know rap through my shot about how, you know, like doing this nonstop, pushing myself, you know, like identifying with very much Hamilton as a character. Um, and that was huge. I felt to this like incredibly important life-changing couple of years for me then when I pulled back from that and I pushed myself too far and I was like recovering from from all of that like you know I saw a lot of myself in Burr like that's what, like there's so much there that I anyway just love it like I love the music so much but also I, I find what I need to in it all the time that's the best kind of media it's like mm -hmm. I will just take from it what I need if I need to slow down and breathe I will listen to wait for it if I need to pump myself up I listen to my shot you know if I'm one of if I just like it's a Friday afternoon and I would be driving home from work. I put on like helpless and just be singing at the top of my lungs. Like it has the fun. It has the emotion. It has the life lessons. Like it's really just got it all. So it's, I love Hamilton. I love it so much. I love the way you talk about how you see yourself in different characters through different like parts of your life. Cause I relate to that as well. Um, like without going to spoilers since you're still watching, like I see like some parts of Kendall Roy in myself, like not the toxic stuff. Hopefully. I love Kendall, um, by the way. That's great. He is my favorite by far. But it's because he's a sad boy. And I feel like I'm like at my core a sad boy, like a sensitive guy who just like wants like like who doesn't always believe in himself. And I feel like there's like aspects to him. And I also feel like he has like high anxiety and uh, it just like they all probably uh can find relatable moments. But like now that I'm watching suits, it's like, oh, I like can identify with aspects of Mike Ross, but um like I see myself in characters um in a way that is strange sometimes uh but like I appreciate that we're having this conversation because like you're the first person that I've like talked to since I started to have these conversations with my therapist about like the way I see media because of the what's happened in my life with the last couple of months and uh, even like last year um and I'm like oh no this is not 
just a me thing. Okay, there's other people who do this too, and like they see the value of storytelling, and they like see like how it's important to like identify with things. Like that's that's the whole reason like uh representation matters and like a lot of storytelling is because like people do see themselves in the media that they watch and like it's can be like people that are very different from me that like i don't see a ton of similarities in myself with kendall roy um in terms of like our lives but like in terms of like the feelings that we have is very relatable and i appreciate that you like said that you could identify with hamilton at one point in your life and later on like at other points in your life you felt like burr and that's how like i sometimes reevaluate like stuff that i've seen previously like um, like a lot of times I've heard parents say like parent people who are parents now, but like watch movies when they were kids seeing like, Oh, I identify with the parents now in a way I never did of these movies. Yeah. Or I, or I see parts of both struggles. One of my favorite yeah. things about Hamilton is like, for me, my anxiety is very much related to a lack of control. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that Hamilton talks about control in both Hamilton and Burr. So like for Hamilton, he wants to control everything to the point where like he'll ruin his marriage just to like control the narrative. Um, and I, I get that sense of like wanting to be the person who's like doing the whole group project. Like that's very Hamilton, like that sense of like you need to control. And Burr's like, I'm the one thing in life I can't control. And, but my favorite thing about that is that he can't even control himself. Like one of my favorite parts of the musical is that he yells wait at himself when Hamilton aims his pistol at the sky because he, he realizes what's happening and he's already shot. So yeah. he can't even control himself in that moment. So I like identify with that so much. Like there are so many things in life I can't control and I try to like Hamilton. And then for Burr, he just wants to control himself and he cannot. And that's the same thing with me. Like, oh, why did I respond to that tweet? Like sometimes, you know, it's like, wait, and you've already done it, you know? So I, I feel like that sense of both of them. And this probably like, because we both have OCD, right? So like, it's probably like yeah, related to that so like much. aspect. Um, uh while we're on the subject of musicals and since I mentioned OCD, were you a Gleek at all? I was at the time, but again, because my life just yeah. completely perfectly aligns with me all media that was in high school. So like yeah. that was the kind of thing would be on, on a Sunday night, 2009, I was in year 11. And then we would just get on MSN and just mm-hmm. talk about Glee. Everyone was obsessed with the first two seasons of Glee. I did watch it until I actually dipped out in the middle of an episode, okay. <laughs> so, but I watched it for years. Did you um, watch from- through graduation? I honestly oh, no. don't remember. Okay. Like, it's the kind of thing where, like, that fir- those first couple of seasons are so iconic, and then I, like, don't remember much else. But everyone was, like, Glee was, like, Seasons the water cooler. Seasons exist to me, just the music and Santana Lopez. Seasons one to three are perfection. <laughs> I don't rem- I don't remember enough of it to be, to, yeah. but, like, I also do think that a lot of my music knowledge was probably through Glee. <laughs> a lot of these songs that I love are because I heard them on Glee first. And then, like, I, I mean, there's also some great mashups in Glee. Like, rumor has it, someone like you, perfection. Yeah, uh, I think like uh, I remember um, Corey Mont. Is it Corey Monte? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He um, he sang "Fight This Can't Fight This Feeling." Oh, That's a yeah. Song I love, and you know, like that. That was like an '80s song that I don't think I otherwise would have known. Like, I definitely got a lot of music knowledge from Glee, but it was only those first two seasons that really hooked me. But also, I'm kind of glad that Glee stopped in 2015 because the next they would have like beat Hamilton to death and ruined it probably, and. Uh, uh i i got into hamilton late i got it into it because of the movie like my brother was a fan my mom was a fan but for Mm. whatever reason i was like i'm too cool for hamilton i don't know if that's what i thought but uh (laughs) i i then like satisfy like was in my top 10 on spotify that year like Mm. uh, like there's so many good songs and um like i'm more of an in the heights guy after seeing that movie that movie was i love in the heights it's always in my head constantly like Yeah. yeah obviously like i very much got into it after hamilton um 
yeah i love in the heights um so uh, I, so um is lynn manuel miranda you said like i My think when one. you've been yeah. discussing like the question that mike likes to ask in interviews like who's your celebrity loved one you said like taylor swift or lynn um, it was always Taylor. It's probably okay. Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'd love to tell him how much Hamilton means to me. I, yeah. I literally named my cats Angelica and Eliza. That's, and I love um, so much that I did that because, yeah. well, I mean, we were always going to name them after Tom and Palessa from Survivor South Africa because Survivor <laughs> South Africa has been so important to me. But then we got two girls instead of two boys. So we're like, we need these new names. We'd always planned for a boy and a girl cat. <laughs> now we have two girl cats. And it like came to me in a dream. I'm like, oh, Angelica and Eliza. And Peter's like, I don't know. And then we went to like see them. And I was like singing to them. I was like, Angelica, Eliza. I'm like, Peter, please. He's like, you're already singing their names to them. Like, obviously you've already named them. And I'm so glad I did because it's like, I think for me, Survivor is such a huge part of who I am that I'm actually kind of glad that I took this other really important thing to me and made it not Survivor. I made it this other yeah. piece of media that's so important to me. I love their names so much. They're the, actually the best cat names. Like Angelica, best nicknames, Jelly, Jelly Cat, Jelly Bean, best. And um, I sing their names to them. I sing the songs to them. And I find so much meaning more in Hamilton now because of them. Like, it's funny because I'm like, I'm an atheist. Like, I don't believe in like any spirituality or any of that. But I find the meaning in media. And then I feel like it's speaking to me. Like, this is going to sound really random. But a big part of Hamilton that's always been important to me is that when I was stuck in lockdown in Melbourne and the borders were closed, my cat, Melly, who was really sick, was in Sydney and I would just listen to Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story and just cry with the line, like, I can't wait to see you again. It's all, it's only a matter of time. Um, being like, I don't know when it's going to be, but like in person or maybe not. And thank God I made it back to her. But um, that line was so important to me. And I listened to it the day she died as I drove back to watch Friends, very much like in this day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I know every line to that song, like the back of my hand, but the just hearing the lyric that I'd never you know, heard through that lens as much when I just got an Angelica and Eliza six weeks before. And I just felt like so connected to that and the way that like, you know, they were helping me through this. And um, the line like that Eliza sings when I needed her most, she was right on time. I'm like, oh, that's literally about my cats. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like the song is speaking to me, like the song I've always had with Melly and like now I need them and they're right on time. So like, that's the kind of meaning and I hear it all the time now because I name my cats after it. So I get new meaning through that. So I'm really, really glad that that's the way I went with it because it's just hugely important to me. I love Lin Manuel Miranda. I love everything he does. Or the, apparently there's this other thing I need to watch. You better watch, watch Vivo. It it's so him. good. I will. It's He's the best. I Like, please let me know when you watch Vivo. I want to hear all your thoughts. You can send me like five paragraph essays about it. Like, it, I will, I will happily read it all. Like, I am screaming to the rooftops that everyone should see this movie it's one of my favorite animated movies and like for me it actually has sentimental value because i watched it in the hotel when i was moving to la so i was like in la and like it was like the last thing that i watched before i moved into this apartment um Mm. in the hotel my parents were sleeping and i was just like watching it and i was like bawling my eyes out at the end it's so beautiful and it's lynn like the music is amazing yeah that's in the heights as well like it's the kind of thing same as hamilton where i'm like i will now I'm going to learn every lyric to this rap so that I can do it. <laughs> I so. need him to win an Oscar. I was so sad that Encanto didn't win an Oscar um, because I want him to be an ego. Everything he does is great. Yeah. Everything he's just the best. Like, and people are so mean about Tim with my mom Miranda. I'm like, he's the Shakespeare of our time. Like, imagine what you would have done to Shakespeare, Twitter. Yeah. Um, so I'm all in on. And but you know, what? even people who are mean to my mom Miranda still will be like, but Hamilton slaps. Like, <laughs> no one can possibly say that that musical is bad. It is just like the feat of music drama and writing that exists in my lifetime he's a 
poet. Like there's so like it's so like so this is gonna be a hard transition, but like we're talking about music and like another person who I feel like is so smart and like meticulous with their writing. I've become a big Olivia Rodrigo girly, and she's obviously heavily inspired by Taylor Swift, who is mm. a very important person to you. Um, but like just like you were talking about the meaning of like lyrics, like specific lyrics and like uh the guts album came out and I was like dealing with this friend group fall falling apart and I just like a lot of these lyrics just like resonated with me like specifically get him back um because uh, I don't know just I thought it was poetry but uh talk about like some of your music love obviously Taylor Swift like um uh you went to the Eras movie Eras tour movie uh she's not going to she didn't go to Australia did she, she? is going I don't she have a going. ticket yeah hope you're able but to if go. anyone has any leads on that hit me up because I'm going I don't know yeah. how yet but I have faith you will that be gonna... I believe in you I feel like you will make it happen I kind of like, I feel like I, I feel like it will. I don't know how. Can you go with like a uh, Channel 10 like correspondent? Like can, like, can you get them to get I'm you gonna, I'm, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm not sure how. I'm going to go by myself in some capacity. But yeah, Taylor's a big one. Taylor's always my celebrity loved one until Lumumba Miranda. But because Taylor, it's hard. Like I love Taylor Swift so much. I like, I doubt my own Swiftiness, which is so unfair because I'm an OG I've been there since the debut album and she wasn't big in Australia. Like it took longer to get to Australia. Fearless was obviously global, but before Fearless, I was like telling everyone in school it was year 10. I was like year nine and 10. I was like, she Taylor Swift, <laughs> believe me, it's going to be. Then love story came out. Everyone's like, Oh, you were right. I'm like, yes. But I, in high school, I feel like I was very much like the Taylor Swift girl, um, which I wear with pride, but it's like, again, the meaning and the sentimentality around media I was in this like horrible relationship through my teenage years, the one that ended when I watched Gilmore Girls. And I, like that was through four, the first four Taylor Swift eras. Like it went, it started in debut, it went through Fearless and Speak Now and into Red. <laughs> that's how, that's how long it was. And those, so those albums are so meaningful to me. Like, especially now with like the re-releases and like, it just takes me back to that time where they were like life-saving albums where I was like confused and like way in over my head with this like toxic relationship. And I was so young and those albums were so transformational for me in so many ways. Firstly, through getting me through those emotions. Secondly, through my sense of identity. Thirdly, I was a musician, you know, I was writing music. Um, so much of which was inspired by Taylor Swift. It made me love country music more. Like it changed my whole music taste. And I was, so that's when I was like when I went to uni and studied music. I performed every Taylor Swift song. I wrote so much music that was like in such a similar vein to what she was doing. Um, and so those first four albums, especially, they're just like they're a moment in time for me. They're like high school. They're like teenage heartbreak, like real important emotions, but like young emotions. Mm -hmm. And just like who I became as a musician and as a human, honestly. And what and I love those albums. And I also really love Lover, which came out three months before I got married. I was like, thank you, Taylor, for this gift. Like also, like I'm like, did you write Daylight about me? I'm like yeah. really confused about how you know so much about my life. And I love all of the albums, but I'm also aware of the fact that like unless Taylor's gonna do another Lover style album about Travis Kelsey, which will work with who I am as a human now. I, from a romantic standpoint, have not needed Taylor or have not aligned with her as much other than Lover since those first few albums. So, because I've just been happy yeah. <laughs> and I was with Vita. So I'm, I was in long distance stuff, but like, I've always been happy. Thank you for the Lover album, which is 100% how I feel. Like I'm always going to be in the Lover era, basically. Um, so 
I don't identify with it as much and I don't need it as much as I used to. So yeah, I'm an OG Swifty. I feel like my super fan should speak for itself. Like it's been so important to him as a human, but the next breakup album that I'm sure it's going to be incredible, but it's not going to hit the same as Red did when I was literally living through all too well. So yeah, that's how I feel about my experience as a Swifty. Are there other, well, first off, that's beautiful that like Lover came out like right before. I know, um, so and, lucky. like you're in your Lover era forever, which is so fun. Um, uh, I, I'm I love a big, Lover. I'm a big shipper of you and Peter. Like y'all are <laughs> so wholesome and happy. And like People the way you talk that. about him on podcasts, like obviously you're already together. So like, I don't know if that counts as a ship, but like, <laughs> thank you well people came up to him in boston they're like i love your love <laughs> <laughs> like thank you you should it's a good relate it's a good thing for people to aspire to um but are there other musicians that like you really gravitate towards besides like Lin-Manuel, miranda and taylor Swift? i love that like your celebrity loved ones are both musicians that's like really fun like yeah. really like smart and eloquent musicians well i love music i mean i was a songwriter and i you knew you're Matata. <laughs> but like I was like a jet, like I was an actual like song. I mean, yeah. And then the the wonder probably did get out a lot of those, you know, creative impulses. Um, but I don't know, like with the song with songwriting, I still write things in my head. I wrote a song about my cats a few months ago that I honestly really like. Yeah. But it was it was those like extreme teenage emotions that Taylor was definitely also facilitating that like I think really fed into my songwriting. And then I was like my dad always complains that Peter hurt my songwriting because I'm worse at writing happy songs. And if you, Peter just made me so happy. He's like, I need you to be more heartbroken than you currently are. Um, so that made it, you know, more well, difficult. Listen, you can write a song when Sir, if Siri does not win. There's, yeah. There's <laughs> but it's weird because like, even like, I definitely feel like I've been through so many things and I have like fragments of songs about like even mental health and stuff, but it, it just never manifested to the point where I was probably at that like most musically creative point, I was in uni studying music for a lot of it or in high school doing music. So it was like that like kind of skill was being fed a lot. And also the emotions were very much being fed into it. And it also aligned with what I was listening to. So, I mean, I, and I, I love music again. Like, do I have enough time to listen to music now that I have like so many podcasts that I need to listen to? Like it probably took away from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like musicians, I'm trying to, like, I don't know if anyone stands out as much like the, the old school music that I feel is again the, the word foundational to me my parents as I said were like a massive massive music people so it's like I was raised on for my mom like Whitney Houston ABBA and the Bee Gees for my dad it was like you know the old school rock bands you know Queen Pink Floyd and like the Beatles are big for me. Um, I'm actually seeing Paul McCartney on Saturday night. I have a really big weekend. I'm seeing Paul McCartney and then Wicked. Wicked, yeah. That's like, that's huge a weekend. Great weekend. Yeah, I know. Peter's like, well, we're spending a lot of money on shows. I'm like, that's the thing I want to spend money on. Like, <laughs> I love the live concert and live music. I'm like, I'm gonna see all of them, honestly. I mean, I love that because like you're going for the experience. Like that's like I'm very much spend money for something that like is a once in a lifetime experience yeah like, it's worth i've it. seen so much this year especially because yeah. a lot of people are coming now like after the you know the lockdowns and everything yeah. like this has been a big year of, so i've seen so much i've gone to so many concerts and musicals this year i saw tick tick boom i saw hairspray beauty and the beast we saw the Backstreet boys i went to lizzo I've seen so many things <laughs> so but i know you're, ha- you're happy right no regrets exactly exactly yeah. um, um 
yeah so I guess like more for me like the, I think about like the old school foundational music I saw Alton John this year I love him yeah. I saw his last concert in the United States um at Dodger Stadium which was like awesome like and I had seen him before in Boston and I'm just like he's he's one of my favorites um I mean obviously the Lion King so I've been like with him for a yeah. long time but like I I Rocket Man is one of my favorite movies just because like I love mm-hmm. his music so much and uh I I don't know like I could go on like I love Elton John he's phenomenal um yeah so in terms of musicians I guess that yeah yeah it's more that kind of old school vibe um yeah, no, I I love your love of music. Uh, I feel like I was gonna say like your your dedication to podcasts and like you probably couldn't even write like an album or a song while Australian Survivor is on. You couldn't even. I can't write it now. Yeah. Like that's what like I wrote this once. I really like it. I want to record it. I want to put it down. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not even that busy. I'm like, I can't find a second to do it. It's so upsetting. I think I needed more time. <laughs> like I that's feel, why maybe I was doing it more in the past. I feel like you're probably in the same way that I feel like. I feel like there's so many things that I want to do. Like I'm like, I want to write a book. I want to like do all this stuff but I like don't have the time like where's the time? I want to watch all these yeah. TV shows I want I to write a parody podcast. song and like make a music video like that's yeah. again Hamilton so much about time so much yeah. about like it's very much about that but my music taste is I would also say like extremely eclectic Eminem was a big one growing up that's why Eminem. I love rap that's why I like Hamilton obviously my shot is heavily based on Lose Yourself which was like my favorite song ever when I was young and still to this day I think really holds up like for me with music I feel that if it has good lyrics and sounds pretty I like it like I'm, I'm not genre based in any capacity yeah. yeah I'm trying to appreciate more genre. like I'm not a big EDM guy uh or screamo yeah, music but like otherwise yeah. like I feel like a lot of people hate country I'm like there's some really good country music out there like I love country yeah. like Taylor Swift made me a, a country fan and then I was then I would like learn much more about it and I was writing so much country music I was like a country musician just like in Sydney Australia yeah. <laughs> because of I, Taylor. in 10th grade I had a Chase Rice era for like oh, a hot minute. That's like, very, very Survivor coded. Yeah, it was because of like Survivor, but yeah. like I remember Buzz back and then I like just started like going down a Chase Rice rabbit hole and I was like, oh, this man has some bangers. Um, yeah. How are we doing on time, Shannon? Because I don't want to take pretty up Pretty good. Time. Okay, cool. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty um, good. Something else that I know that you've talked about, I don't know where you stand these days, but to tie it back to like comedies, we could talk about like WandaVision, but I know like you love the Marvel movies um, and like superhero stuff. Um, uh WandaVision I love personally like I know people I like have their problems but like it's yeah. like it's a love of sitcoms in a superhero story um but uh WandaVision was amazing it was so self-referential it was so meta I was like I'm back in my community days yeah. um but like uh, where, where does your love of the superheroes come from like were you a comic book person growing up or were you just like a comic book movie person my grandpa collected comic books um he was like, it, and the, again, like it, it feeds into the obsessive love of media. He had like a room of comic books. So he was very much into the superheroes. Obviously we all loved superheroes growing up. I collected Archie comics. I still have hundreds of like old Archie comics that I mostly got from my grandpa, Betty and Veronica. My parents are moving out of my, like the home they've been in for decades. And they're like, what are we doing with all these Archie comics? I'm like putting it somewhere. Cause we're not throwing it. That's like my most, that's like my most impressive collection of anything of the Archie comics. Um, but in terms of like the superheroes now and Marvel, I will I will just pretty much see any Marvel thing, even though I think it's really fallen off, although I love the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy, but it traumatized me. Um, I don't even know why. I think it's because of that love of like experiencing things. It's like, how much fun is it to just go to a Marvel movie, especially when they used to be excellent. Now yeah. I feel like the standard has kind of dropped, but 
yeah just like the experience of that or like even when like lockdowns were happening and the marvel tv shows which were again probably slightly better back when they started um like you would just put it on you'd be like i feel like i'm at the movies like this is so fun like we really we really went out today um so i i'm, I'm behind on loki but we had we watched every single marvel thing which is crazy because I'm like an extraordinary Marvel casual. It's the kind of thing where, again, I will engage with it. I'll definitely check out what Reddit is saying, what Twitter is saying, reviews of every single thing because I can't not. Yeah. But then like I like it doesn't stay in my head. So no, I know I'm like a massive casual, but I just watch every single one. I, I'm also behind on Loki. Uh, but like, I know what you mean. Like, because I uh, get excited like at the prospect of seeing the marvels in theaters like it's like mm. an event it's like an event thing yeah exactly to. like um it's an experience even as like my love of them has like kind of fallen off like as the quality has gone down like i did not like Ant- ant-man uh, quantumania neither but i remember the day of i was like i'm excited for this like i don't know like and then i saw the movie i was like i hate it <laughs> um might be my it's either my least favorite or my second least favorite marvel movie and that's so disappointing because i am a weirdo who loves the first ant-man um uh yeah well yeah marvel i feel like i'm i'm just like like i feel bad because i know there are like super fans of it and i like being a super fan of things i'm very aware of like gatekeeping myself from the super fandom like i I have a friend who's a marvel super fan i love your perspective about gatekeeping though on one of the podcasts (laughs) recently i'm like no we should be allowed to gatekeep certain things well i gatekeep myself that's why i try like as someone who just like put so much passion and energy into things i'm like you I, you have to be at my level which is fine you don't have to say that you are a super fan of things like i would never come on and say i'm a marvel super fan my friend who's a marvel super fan i'm aware you're a super fan you're the person i come to and i'm like asking you questions about it the same way people do for me in survivor i would never denigrate the time and effort and energy and passion you put into this by equating myself to you and i just feel that the same grace should be given for the things i put energy into I, I love that mentality because like I feel like I can be like the biggest Marvel super fan in one room but then if I go to into another room I'm like the lowest one like on the totem pole but like with Survivor I feel like for the majority of the rooms I walk into I'm at least like at the top of like the fandom in that yeah. like, at work like I feel like I'm annoying because I talk about Survivor too much but like I am at the point where like I don't care like I love this show like it truly changed my life and you're gonna hear about it because I love to talk. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to doubt myself as well a lot. So, like, I don't, I, I'm, I would never. I feel like I have to prove myself all the time, even with Survivor. So definitely with other things. That's what I'm saying. Even with Taylor Swift, I'm like, yeah. hope you guys consider me a super fan. I've been here for 15 years. Like, I am a super fan. Yeah. Um, but I've like literally since no 2007. That was when I got it. Yeah. So 16 years, 16 and a half years. Like, I, I am a super. But I still am like but do you judge me? Because <laughs> I can't, you know, keep up with the kids in terms of like, but I kind of, I feel like I do. I saw the Iris movie. I had seen that entire movie in Twitter clips. So. I love that. Um, my my um, friend, she she has a similar love of Beyonce that you have for Taylor Swift. And she's like, no, she muted her closest friends when they went to Beyonce before her because she didn't want spoilers. And I'm like, <laughs> relatable energy. <laughs> I, no, I was not. Like when I went to the Iris Tour movie, I was like, I, I, I like said to my friend, I'm like, oh, cool. It's good that we're going to um, have the surprise songs now. I wonder what she's going to do. And my friend was like, how do you know? I'm like, I know what she wears during the surprise songs. Like, I know what I know. Like, I know what she's about to do. I know what outfit she's in, um, which is, I mean, I've yeah had seen so much of the concert, but yeah, I mean, in, so in terms of Marvel, I would, I would definitely, I know I'm a casual. Do you have a favorite of the Marvel movies or characters or superheroes in general? I don't know if you're a big like DC person either, but. 
Yeah, I mean, DC, I feel like it's very hit and miss. Like, if yeah. it gets good reviews, I'll go. That DC, the, the Batman, I think it was Batman versus, was it Batman versus Superman? It was one of the Batman movies that started the rule Peter and I have around we only want to pay combined to see something that is, we want to pay less than its Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> so, because right. we saw that movie and it had like maybe 30 something percent and we paid like for the tickets and the, I'm like, we paid more. That, that, that's yeah. too much. You know, we, like and we didn't like Batman movies, like the Dark Knight stuff or even going love Dark the, Knight. like the yeah, 90s really. Batman. I or, love the Dark Knight. That was like yeah. a, yeah, we saw, saw that in high school. So that was like a big, so that, like, yeah, I mean, I, I love like, like all the big franchises. Like I'm yeah. interested in pop culture and like things that are important to the cultural consciousness. So yeah. I love that take because um, like even things that I'm not super well versed in, like uh, like I'm curious to see like these big franchises like James Bond, which I've seen like one or two movies, but I'm like curious about like its place in pop culture history and like its legacy. Like um, I feel like y- you can relate to that in terms of like the big stuff as well, even if you're not big. But are you yeah. are you a big Harry Potter person? Well, that's what I'm, the other one I was going to talk about yeah. in terms of like the you know being informed. I will say my brother says I'm always held back by like I'm a, I'm scared of things. Mm-hmm. so like I can't really do horror like I watched Get Out because I knew it was amazing but like with the lights on and like mm-hmm. while being scared like that was just I feel you. I, but like that's why I haven't seen like Game of Thrones I haven't seen like Breaking Bad because I'm, I'm like also a highly anxious person so like do I want to watch these like scary things yeah. like do you know like so I do think that's the thing that holds me back in terms of like my pop culture knowledge I am such a big scaredy cat like I make a joke that like Scooby-Doo is my threshold of like yeah but you, I you were even like mentioning scary movie you were even mentioning like that you would jump behind the couch when Snow White yeah evil queen. yeah like yeah, I was very cool. much the same way like I don't like scary things like I refuse to watch uh certain scary movies uh I've seen Nope and Get Out but I have not seen Us um but I, I don't like scary things at all yeah. I'll go to horror nights because I like a theme park experience but I am the person who's like, move, let's get out of this haunted house as soon as possible. Yeah. Like, I am the entertainment sometimes. People said that I'm fun to go to these things with because I jump and scream at everything. Yeah. Um, well, I'm the thrill seeker. Like, I love roller coasters, but I just don't, I don't like, and like, the blood and the gore, yeah. that's not really me. So that's the things I've missed out on. But Harry Potter, you mentioned, yes, that was, I have that in my list of like a foundational, like, inter- I'm not a big reader, yeah. which is bad as a writer. Same. I'm not a huge <laughs> book person, but Harry Potter, again, right around the exact right time growing up through the series um, was so important to me that I also feel like it was one of those things that I like ascribe my identity to. And I know I make fun of it because every, I've literally made fun of Tori because she was like, you like Harry Potter. We all like Harry Potter. It's like <laughs> literally core to we who like modern humanity. But yeah, I had a group of friends at school and we were like the Harry Potter crew. We spoke about it all the time. It was probably my like survivor. I was also talking about survivor at the time, but like even more Harry Potter read the books all through my childhood um, multiple times. And again, it's like, it's also that meaning to me because my grandparents bought me all the books and then they would write in it. I have a note with my, from my grandparents. They didn't know what Harry Potter was, but they just knew that I loved it. Yeah. And they were just like, they would have like a note that's like, we love you and you love these books and we want to always buy you the books and we will buy you the next one that the author is going to write. I'm like, you don't even know the author's name. Like, But for me, it was just like, again, like it's a way that I see media and how, that's important to me and I still have the books with like inscribed from my grandparents and then I also you know Harry Potter to this day like with my friends who loved it like I got this Peter bought me this game you know code names I love yeah the RHAP patrons like way back when I yeah, first yeah. Started, like dipping my toe further into the online space of uh, like Brandy Newpole you mentioned 
uh, him earlier and like Randy and who else like Kirsten was there like we we played codenames a lot Jenny we yeah my group of friends played a lot of codenames but Peter got me Harry Potter codenames which is basically just basically trivia because it's like how you and then my best friend we love Harry Potter we've always shared Harry Potter since middle school we saw you know the movies the night they came out dressed up did all that stuff and we just played like Harry Potter code names, and it was just like this is our shared language, Harry Potter, which again everyone has. But yeah. I do think like that was a huge, huge super random thing that I had growing up as well. Are you a Ravenclaw or yeah? Yeah, I was Ravenclaw. like, I feel like that's where I would guess, but yeah, I'm this is what I do. I sort everyone. <laughs> You're a Hufflepuff. Yeah, I sorted my cats. What um, is Angelica and what is an Eliza? Eliza's a Ravenclaw. She's super smart. So she's my first Ravenclaw cat that I've ever had. Yeah. And then, like, I've had smart cats, but, like, Melly was a Slytherin. Does anyone care about the houses of my cats? That you I do. Yeah, and then, well, Angelica, the reason I do it is because Angelica, sweet little girl, she's not the brightest. And that's why everyone's like, isn't Angelica meant to be smart? I'm like, well, we didn't know that when we named her. <laughs> she's just, like, this little, like, lost puppy. But she's a Gryffindor. So that's why I'm like, Jelly, I don't understand you. Like, you're a Gryffindor. I'm like, I don't get a, I don't, like, I'm not a Gryffindor even remotely. So, like she's so brave but in a silly way like Gryffindors are you know she's like oh I'm brave I want to go into that I'm like that's the oven gel like don't so she I'm like this is why like I'm trying to understand you but I don't understand Gryffindors so that's why it's important to know what they are so that's how I can try and deconstruct my cat's like mental approaches and what is Peter Ravenclaw Ravenclaw. he's also probably a Ravenpuff like me in different he's probably we're probably pretty similar honestly a lot of people in my life are Ravenpuffs yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the people in our HEP world are like Mike Bloom gives big Hufflepuff energy. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. Mike would Mike, Mike Where's Nick? Is Nick a Hufflepuff much. also? Depends who you ask. I mean, from that first season, people would have said Slytherin, oh, but yeah. they're wrong. Um, so yeah, I think he's probably a Ravenclaw. Honestly, a lot of these, like, it's a lot of Ravenclaws would like what we do. Yeah. Like obsessing over, like pouring over books. Like that's a Ravenclaw thing. That's what we do with TV, right? So it's like that's how we all kind of meet in this like analytical way, high key Ravenclaw. Yeah, I would say like I'm more Hufflepuff than Ravenclaw, but I definitely have like gotten Ravenclaw on some of these tests. Like, um, like mm. is is there like a way where it's like you're you're you know how like I'm a Leo star or sun, and then like my moon is like Taurus. I feel mm. like I'm a I'm a Hufflepuff sun, and then uh uh Ravenclaw rising or whatever. Well, like. they did it by percentage when it was on Time Magazine. Like not the Pottermore ones, like, and that's yeah. why I was like sixty percent Ravenclaw, like thirty eight percent Hufflepuff, and like one percent Slytherin and one percent yeah. Gryffindor. So that's what I do. I think yeah, this is this is Harry Potter to so much of our generation is so foundational. I need to rewatch the Harry Potter movies because again, I'm not great at rereading. I read the first book and a half during the uh, lockdown, the pandemic, um, and then just didn't. And I've also been bad at rereading the Percy Jackson books, but like that is a very formative. A series for me as well mm. um well rereading harry potter for me when i was younger was like also my comfort thing yeah I, like and that would be like something i'd look forward to like i remember when i finished high school and like got through all my exams i was like i was looking forward i'm like i'm gonna reread all of harry potter that's probably the last time i reread all of it oh, oh no i think i've reread it once since then yeah no i i need to reread them but i'm just I like you i'm, a I'm never gonna reread them again like yeah. I, I there's no i, I can't go back i <laughs> can't um, rewatch things can't reread things did you ever re-re- did you ever read the kingdom keepers since you're a big Disney person no no it's like about these kids who like fight the Disney villains at night when everyone goes home from the theme parks <laughs> like so fun yeah <laughs> um but I, I can't I struggled like I want to rewatch the Harry Potter movies but Peter Pettigrew terrifies me <laughs> like as like I don't know they did like 
stuff with the with the effects that like I don't know he terrifies me as a kid. I didn't like the third one. Everyone says is the best movie. Terrifies me. I love the, the third one. Is my favorite. Yeah, it was scary, but I guess maybe like reading the books was a good yeah. um you know a good warning. I remember I was like part way through the first book in I think it must be in the third grade when I saw the first movie because again I was a little late to it. Yeah. It was when I came to Australia. My teacher read us Harry Potter. That's how I became obsessed with it in year three. And I was right before when like Voldemort was revealed to be on Coral's head. Yeah. But I was right before it. So then when it happened in the movie, I was like, no, like, I was like, definitely afraid of that. It's so, terrifying. Like even the yeah. books, like, so my mom read the books to me when I was little. And then like, so I have a sentimental attachment to Harry Potter, even though like growing up, it didn't really stick with me. Like it did a lot of my peers. Um, and that's why, like, I associate, per- I say Percy Jackson's my Harry Potter just because it was like the thing that I was like obsessed with. But like, that's something sentimental. Like, same thing, like with Secret Invasion. Like, I will prioritize thing if it has sen- sentimental value. Like, Secret mm. Invasion wasn't the best Marvel show, but like, I still have a lot of love for it because I watched it when my dad visited me here in mm. LA. So like, I watch it with my dad. So um, I don't know. I attach a lot of like emotional weight to certain things, and that's yeah. why like I evaluate them higher. Like, I love. Um, their ghost island of survivor like that was like a very foundational season for me and like my journey of like super fandom and i mm. like that's a season that i love and i know it's like a very polarizing season but i love it so much and well that's um, how i feel about winners at war which is a pretty hot take well it depends depends where you are i need to rewatch it i was just like i feel like i was just in a bad mood when i watched it and it just like soured my opinion but i, well, that I was the another shake for me yeah. yeah, like for, for me, I was in a very bad place, but I loved it every week. It was like the yeah. highlight of my week. And I'll always be like grateful to it because again, I like humanize these forms of media yeah. for how much of a highlight it was for me. But I definitely think that's true. Like if you ask people, my cousin started her first season in real time was Game Changes. Mine was because, One World for, and I'm yeah, pretty sure well, it's like something similar. Yeah, well, Game Changes, obviously I hate that season, but she because she had come on during 2016 Australian Australian Survivor mm-hmm. and then through that year binged everything to be ready for Game Changes. Okay. So she definitely is like higher on Game Changes because it was like her first experience in the fandom and like listening to the podcast live and like that experience for her, I think lifts up this like objectively terrible season. So just like where she was in the world for that. I think the first five episodes of Game Changes are phenomenal Survivor and then it goes downhill. Well, as a Tony fan, I'll always remember... Oh. Um, I watched the episode and I was like, oh my God. And I like couldn't show because my brother hadn't seen it yet. Then he watched it and I just remember like walking into his room and he was just like curled up in the fetal position. I'm like, yeah, uh, it's been terrible. <laughs> that, that was, I, I, I love certain episodes of that season. Like, like I think the JT episode is a phenomenal episode. Of That's the- a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that one like hit after hit for like, except for Caleb. But, like, in the pre-merge, like, if you're, like, a fan of a lot of these people, like, Malcolm, mm. that one devastated me. I was, like, so sad. And then Sandra, seeing Sandra get voted out, like, I didn't want to accept it as reality. Yeah. Um, well, Malcolm's the one, like, in terms of my Survivor fandom. I always say that, like, I became a Survivor fan because Rupert played back-to-back. Like, yeah. I got up. And it was because of Harry Potter, I've always said, because Rupert reminded me of Hagrid. And I always, I think that's more of a phenomenon. I've always said that that's something that probably got kids in during the, the early days of Survivor. So the back-to-back of Rupert, like, really tied me to it. Then I was a fan. And I was a super fan because of the Malcolm back-to-back. Like, yeah. that's exactly when I waded into it. I was so passionate about Malcolm doing well and then Philippine, in Philippines and then Karamoan that I wanted more content. I mean, the, the as I said, like, AV Club and everything, that was how I consumed media. And for a while... Um, Dalton Ross's EW recaps were very much how I yeah. 
process survivor and then I, like that was like a gateway through to everything else but malcolm was very important is that, that. How so, yeah, him going rhap no my brother found it <laughs> that's like everything so much <laughs> but i but i introduced him to survivor and harry potter because okay. i was just older yeah. so i always i always take that back but um yeah he after my brother i graduated in 2010 he graduated in 2012 and he binged all the survivor he like hadn't seen like we'd been like too young to see or yeah. rewatch seasons. So I started doing that too. When he watched Amazon, he looked it up, he found Rob and then he introduced it to me. That's so how it was like I around found 2013. Yeah. Cause I got Through into my brother. One... <laughs> I, uh, I, I got into it during one world and then I like found Marquesas on YouTube and then I found Amazon on YouTube and then through like the survivor wiki, I was like, I'm obsessed with this Rob guy. Like, how many more seasons? And it's like, oh, Rob has a podcast. And then I got into Big Brother because he and Nicole did a podcast about the upcoming season. And now I am a Big Brother fan. Take, and now you're a Big Brother fan. I feel well, like, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, At this current moment, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now these, these, this little silly podcast changes lives like again Sam Wandel Sir is a very important season to me because that was the first season that I was like listening to everything like exit interviews like hey, I would like well, dabble kind of and, and yeah. like 2014 that was when I started work so like that year was very much like massive for me like I would dabble in some of the podcasts if it was a guest that I really liked like I uh would dabble like I remember the RS podcasts were always a highlight the Tyson ones um but then like the Sam Wandel Sir like I listened to everything and I, I that was like the first and like I have a special place in my heart for Worlds Apart, which is a horrible season. Um, but I love like what like I have a so- strong sense memory of like doing like college visits and listening to like the Worlds Apart podcasts, um, like with my mom when we were doing like a road trip to go visit colleges. So um, yeah, that's also how for I me, got into Big Brother Canada. <laughs> that was um Cambodia was you know such a massive turning point for my super fandom because we were like a part of it the thing that i'd always felt a part of but i actually wasn't a part of like i'd listen i'd respond in my car um i kind of got on twitter was engaging a bit i only became a patron in 2016 so like i yeah so i I, like the end of 2016 so i wasn't like engaging as much but like i just felt like it was i felt like i was part of the thing that i wasn't in any vocal way but my brother and i would share we would talk about every podcast because my parents are cleaning out our old house we found like all the birthday cards I made him and I put one of them on Twitter which was like a like 30 page document because his birthday was on day 39 of Cambodia and they'd obviously gone out to play so the whole time we talked like what do you think is happening now would we emerge yeah July 8th okay um and so I like we we knew exactly when they were starting so we like were very aware of it so I like had I'd like conceptualized the final tribal council for Stephen to win he had this like alliance with Kelly and Wu because they had which final tribal losers (laughs) And then I like, you know, went through the whole jury and every question. It was pages long. Um, and it was honestly, I think, pretty good. But, and then like, so we found like, it, it's so indicative of the way that like media has been so important to my relationships, especially clearly with my brother, who I've mentioned so many times in the podcast, because we share all this media, but like all the cars or like, one of them was I'd like cut our faces out onto different duos. So I think I had like Stephen and JT, like Troy and Abed, <laughs> like, um Turk and JD and I just like had all our faith like so it's really like if I could just like see like just seeing that it's like it's very clear I like in in the cards I'd like written I'd rewritten the lyrics to all of the Book of Mormon songs like it's so like it's so like clear like how 
foundational all of these things were. But Survivor, obviously, like I was I was a fan for ages. It's not like I found it and then became a super fan. Like I was a fan my whole time, like my whole life pretty much since the age of 10. In high school, I very much feel like I was also the Survivor girl. Yeah. Because I think I just yell about my passions louder than other people. Like, I'm mean, like, I was the, the survivor person. Like, definitely, I remember when Heroes versus Villains was on, like, talking about it more than anyone else was talking about it. It's like in school. I feel like if you're following my life now from school, you'd be like, she did like Survivor. Yeah. I get it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always loved these things and felt attached to it. So, finding the fact that they, then, like, we're in an era where communities are built from it. These things didn't exist. Like loving Taylor Swift, there's like a Taylor Swift community that I'm not in, but like they all have each other, you know, the survivor community. Like these things were just like invented later on in life for people who were already really passionate about stuff, love to analyze it and wanted to talk about it. And then it just like evolved into these communities that like, thank God I live in this era, I feel, because that's like perfect for who I am. Yeah, like, I mean, Rob is responsible for some of my best friendships. And I know it's the same for you. Like you talked about Mike and Nick and like Rob is like instrumental in like some of my closest personal relationships. Uh, we might've said this in the pre-show, but like, I feel like I, Rob is like at least top five voices that I've heard in my life. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and then also just like to circle back to like what you said about your relationship with your brother in terms of these shows. Like I got my brother into it. My brother and I have a six year age difference, but like one of the nerdy and maybe a little bit toxic things that we would do is like, talk about our classmates and then in our head like be like okay so we're playing big brother and then this is like and we would like make a whole excel spreadsheet about it and be like okay so who's the hoh um Mm -hmm. and it would be like my classmates versus his classmates Uh, like um Mm -hmm. and then we would like always argue of who actually won the season like um but it uh that was something fun and like i mean Mm -hmm. we would like do brand steals with people that we knew like um so it, it reminds you the way you talk about your relationship with your brother reminds me a little bit about that my brother's like not as into reality tv as i am but it's always fun like when he gets like fired up about something um and, like he got really into the challenge when jay got on the show like jay from millennials versus gen x uh because he's a big jay guy and like so he tells me what happens on the challenge when i'm not watching yeah, I tell my brother what's happening with Suri. Like, Suri's in yes. trouble. Now she's fine. Like, that's what I've been... But it's it's funny how to just... Like, you could literally track my life in just, like, pieces of media my brother and I have shared yeah. together. Pretty much. Like, Taylor's mine. But, what like, other... of his that's not yours? He... Well, his is probably more from a sport perspective. Okay. And then he he does all the scary stuff. He did Game of Thrones. He did Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. He's, like, always telling me to watch it. And he knows I'm not going to, but maybe one day with enough pressure. But like, literally, if you track it, it's like, we just love this thing now. Like, we love Disney together. We love Cartoon Network. Now we love The Simpsons. Now we love sitcoms. Now, you know, and Survivor and Hamilton and like musicals as he as well with musicals. So that's just like, literally, you could just like track my growth in life over 30 years with just like these pieces of media. So it's pretty clarifying who I am as a human being. You briefly mentioned sports. Is there anything about sports that you want to talk about? Like, cause I know you love football and. Uh, yeah. Football was, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm not, other, I'm not a sporty person. I'm not like a, in terms of like cultural phenomenons, that's the one I miss. Like everyone yeah. will be into the Olympics. I'm like, not me. <laughs> that's the one I'm I, on. See, I like to say I like the weird sports. Like if volleyball was more mainstream, I would watch that. And like, I, I feel like I could get into like, cause I, maybe it's cause I played volleyball. Like I love watching swimming and gymnastics, but like you can miss me with like American football. Um, I like the World Cup. I like the big events, but I, uh, 
I am like sports is something that has passed me by. I want to get more into sports, but I know, I know Mike Bloom's become a recent sports. Yeah, I know. With the, I know we went to a game last year, the NFL, but my weird sport would be ice skating. I actually love to ice skate and also watch ice skating. I like feel like figure it's skating like skating or speed skating? Figure skating. Yeah, like, so see, beautiful. Like, I like sometimes YouTube it. It's beautiful. But yeah, in terms of sport, it's always just been Australian rules football, which I was extraordinarily passionate about. Another thing I shared with my brother, a huge thing that I shared with Peter um, obviously Peter's completely obsessed. Um, and I, I was probably equally obsessed with football and survivor. Yeah. Like in like 2012, when I was becoming a super fan of survivor, where that was when my football team were really good through like 2013 to 2016 ish. Um, it was like an equal passion, but then I became a survivor commentator and podcaster. So survivor just like ate up the space in my life where also my team got a lot worse, but also, um, I couldn't watch, I used to watch like every single game. And that was another thing that also in terms of relationships, like was important to me because I shared it with my brother and my dad. Dad's a massive footy fan. We would watch like all the post-game shows together, um, like after high school when I was living at home. And unfortunately now I feel like I don't have enough space to commit to how passionate I was. And it makes me so upset because I have these standards for myself. Same with Taylor Swift as well, where it's like, I love this thing so much, but it grows and changes and I need to grow with it. But like my time is getting more limited, like something has to give. So with football, I feel like I need to put in so much more work and effort to be at the fandom that I used to be at with it, which is something like I, I want to do, like, because it's so important to me, because it's something I know that I love. But it's also something where it's like, am I going to be able to do that? Like, where am I getting that time from? I'd have to, I really just need like a time turner. I can relate to this. I was having this like anxiety today, like knowing that I was like speaking to you and I was like, I've been a bad Soraya fan. I haven't seen uh dino's returning season like the outcast or well you should because it's great and and i haven't seen i haven't seen i've seen only four episodes of survivor with george and i feel like a clown for not doing that like because i watched i feel like that was survivor myself isn't that crazy it's wild but like i felt like an imposter fan because i love australian survivor i love international survivor i'm I'm excited for uk but i was like you know what like i've been like putting like reality tv on the back burner these last few years but like let me like catch up on these shows i'm like okay let me bring my computer to work on lunch i'll watch one episode of an international survivor season like maybe like in a couple weeks i'll catch up i won't catch up but like in a couple weeks but like i was so mad when paramount plus took off the the yeah um, seasons just because like i that was the easiest way and there's a spreadsheet that i can go to but um this might be an offensive question but brian lake was that was he on your team or was he your yeah Okay. Well, he he was he he was on a different team than he was okay. on our team. He I was scared that if it was like no, he's like your rival and like you would. Bo- no, I mean there's a lot. There's so many football players. Like it's crazy. I've like interviewed like some of the best football players of all time just because they were like a yeah. third boot on Survivor, Australian yeah. Survivor. But like in terms of like the 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 imposter syndrome of fandom, I feel like that's so relatable. We probably all do that. I, I it's crazy that I do that with Survivor, and there are people who call me the biggest Survivor fan in the world, which isn't yeah. true the loudest survivor fan is the same thing as high school <laughs> like you're the survivor person like just because yeah. i'm the loudest but even then i'll be like oh i miss these deep dives or like i'm not a fan you know yeah. like I'm, I, I'm not doing enough i should be listening to more shit because in the height of my survivor fandom when i felt like my identity was survivor but it wasn't validated by the world because i was just kind of listening in my car i was like i would validate it to myself by like i'm the i'm going to be the biggest fan i'm going to go and win trivia i'm gonna which i still love to win trivia but like I'm going to have rewatched all the seasons recently. I haven't rewatched a season that I wasn't covering, like for the yeah. countdown or whatever, in years. You know, I'm going to listen to every podcast. I'm going to read every article. It was honestly like homework for myself. Now it is work because I do it for the podcast. But then sometimes when the podcast is done, it's like, I don't know that I can consume more about this week. And then I'm like, well, am I a bad fan or have I earned the right? <laughs> 
to be like you know this is fine because yeah. this is my like i now have a voice that i have i validated myself enough in fandom or am i like should i still be doing more and like that imposter syndrome is crazy and i feel like probably a lot of people feel it it's overwhelming like i i like because then I it, I it like bleeds into other aspects because like part of the reason that i like took a like back seat on reality tv was like oh i want to be a tv writer at the, the point in time where like brains versus brawn was coming out and i was working on a tv show and i was like oh i need to like immerse myself in more scripted content because like i feel like i have a lot of pop culture blind spots i had never seen breaking bad at the time mm. i like just threw myself into scripted stuff not because i dislike reality tv but i was like feeling burnout and uh like also like i was really like in a bad headspace of my own like i felt like i was putting a lot of pressure on myself to um, be at a point in my life where I wasn't like I was the pandemic really affected me because like I graduated college right when it was like two months in so like I felt like a lot of like imposter syndrome about like life and I was like oh I and then I got like an interview for class of 2020 and I didn't get it and I put a lot of like I thought very badly about myself I was like why like you you like had such a shot and you like blew it so like I don't know so mm -hmm. that was like at a point where I was like just overwhelmed. I was like, let me go read some scripted stuff or watch some scripted stuff. And like, now I'm at a point where like, I'm just happy and I'm like, okay, I can dabble and I don't have to like listen to every podcast. I can listen to the ones that I'm interested in. And I don't need to like, if the episode passes and I haven't listened to all the podcasts for that week, I'm just going to move forward. I don't need to like binge listen to everything that's already happened. Like this stuff is obsolete. And then if there's like a really interesting guest or like people are talking a lot about like a specific interview, then I can like go back. And I feel like mm. sometimes like, we talked about imposter syndrome, but like technically I have the title of Rob's biggest fan from that podcast of Renap that I did. There's like a whole year of podcasts that I probably couldn't reference. And I'm like, but I still want that title. Like I earned this title. Like I want it. Um, so I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but imposter syndrome is real and it's scary and it's stressful. And like, I get anxious about things that I should not be anxious about, but I just can't help but feel nervous about them. Yeah. Well, it's definitely imposter syndrome. It's definitely like, the, yeah the sense of doubt and then I also think it probably hits on the OCD like it definitely mm -hmm. does for me like I have like a Rolodex in my mind of like podcasts I missed that I want to listen to that I, uh, years have passed and I'm like maybe I'll listen to it but I, I won't maybe I don't know maybe I will like it literally feels uncomfortable to me yeah. because it's like I miss those especially when it's tied to my sense of like deep dives or like whatever that I should like seasons that I missed where it's like you should know you're the survivor expert like how can you not and it's like it definitely hits my OCD of like especially as someone who like in the past has consumed everything everything I can't get to everything I can't get to at its best and then the imposter syndrome it's genuinely painful yeah um there are definitely like episodes that like I actually went back and listened to some of the survivor globals that I missed uh like oh. especially like with Nick and Lisa like those are ones that I'm like oh I I mean Lisa's such a good friend to me like she's incredibly kind and Nick has always been good to me it's like I want to listen to these at least like for the survivor 44 um and they were back to back too so it was like cool to hear like your perspective of like what was happening um but like some like you can't really scroll back to certain podcasts in the feed but like it's no. I, I would love to like find a way to access them and I know Rob is like working on Google a new it. app but Just like on desktop, yeah, yeah I, I'm not good at watching podcasts that's weird like I I understand I why I'm just like mm. I, it's probably because I listen on faster speeds and I'm not used to seeing people um, yeah like, yeah well as we do this video podcast but yeah, yeah no genuinely like I, I mean, I didn't know it was my OCD at the time, but like there was a point in my life where it was like, I'm going to like obsess over this thing and then consume it to its fullest, whether yeah. it was Taylor Swift, whether it was Survivor, RHAP, Harry Potter, everything. And then, and then it's like, 
but those things grew beyond not survivor i mean kind of been keeping track with survivor but like those things kind of grew beyond where i could go with them so do i like sit with my fine super fandom in this do i know that i can't get to everything but i get to most things like and it's definitely a sense of the ocd and it's definitely a sense of the imposter syndrome because you like it's impossible to be passionate about all these things that especially like continue to grow and evolve and maintain every little bit of it and like have a life and get sleep and like have a job it's just not and like i've been trying to work on it like with podcasts like i the other day deleted all the talking with t-birds that i hadn't listened to i'm like I'll re-download them if I have time, but right now, like, I just need to take baby steps to clear out my podcast queue, and, like, I feel sad that I haven't listened to them. Like, it's, like, five episodes. I'm not, like, missing a ton, but there's, like, the Christine one, and I was, like, I love Christine, and I want to listen to this, but I'm just, like, I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. Like, I just got to, like, prioritize, and that's what I'm learning. There used to be a time where, like, there wasn't a ton of the podcasts. Like, I remember I watched Survivor New Zealand Thailand and then I binge listened to all your podcasts on the plane to Brazil one time, like not all at once, but like, it was like one plane ride. I listened to a ton of them and then, cause I don't sleep well on planes. Um, and I was like, I don't think that's an option these days to like go back and listen to a whole season of podcasts. Like just cause there's so much out there. Like, I know. I don't know that as a, there's more content all the time. There's like evolving content on mm-hmm. like what we already love. I don't know that as a podcast that I should be saying like, it's fine. Skip things. Like don't, yeah. not my podcast. Yeah. Listen to every single one. Um, but no, it is. It's so hard. It's so impossible. It's been weird that like, I think my brother listened to every single thing I'd ever done, but then he's not watching Big Brother. So we've missed that. And he's not watching The Traders. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, well, he's not a patron. He could, like, but I'm like, the three recaps on stage is are fun. Like, yeah. I tell him about it, but like, it's been weird to be like, I'm doing like this thing that you're not a part of. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. But like, even he, I evolved, my content evolved beyond what he could, you yeah. know. And The Crown, he wasn't watching The Crown. So it's just impossible. Yeah. Just, if, if even he can't do it. My mom's the opposite. My mom will be like, she can't, I, she's not a podcast listener. You know, if you're not a podcast listener, you'll never find space for it. If you're a podcast listener, and I honestly go between both depending on where I'm at in my life, but it's kind of like, if you're, like there are days where you'll be like, I can listen to five podcasts today. Like I, I found space wherever I needed to. And there are days where it's like, this took me a week. Like I just wasn't in the mode where I was pressing play. For my mom, she's never pressing play. So she's like, yeah, I'm still listening to this podcast of yours. I'm like, that was a month ago. <laughs> like that is yeah. redundant now. I I feel like I my podcast listening is like either in the car when I was walking to class in college or when I'm like doing something mundane but like I feel like with both of us like I do like I write a lot like I want to write like I am doing Sienna so I'm writing jokes I'm like doing other stuff so I feel like I can't divide my attention but if I was like making a spreadsheet I feel like I would be able to listen to podcasts Mm. more because it's just like more background but um I don't know I feel like you work in a very creative space as well so maybe it's hard to like listen to podcasts there's quite a bit of admin like yeah it depends how much you can you can separate your mind, I think. I mean, I do enjoy like cleaning the whole apartment while like putting on a podcast and being like, yeah. I got through that whole podcast. But it honestly just depends. Like, yes, like sometimes I'll like listen in the car and get through a whole podcast. But sometimes I'll get in the car and just like put on the radio or just like be alone with my thoughts. I'm actually being alone with my thoughts a lot more at the moment. I'm it's trying not good to my content well. consumption, but yeah. I'm doing it. Um, do you listen to other podcasts besides RHAP or is it mostly just RHAP? I just, I really don't actually. I can't even imagine expanding out from that. Like there's already too much for RHAP and it is hard because it feels like my podcast consumption is very much connected to my survivor consumption. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I'm just like 
drained on Survivor, then I'm not listening to podcasts. Probably if I found something else that was more like less work for me or less tied to this like very serious thing in my life, I could be more of like a podcast listener, but I'm not. I'm like an RJP yeah. listener that is genuinely like where I'm at. Unless it's something I like really need to like specifically listen to. If someone sends me like a certain episode that might be helpful, but even then, like I'll probably like skip through it, you know, like I'm yeah. like three times it, like getting the information. No, I, I can understand because like I'm someone who doesn't like adding more to my plate, but then it's like, oh, there's this podcast and like I've really gotten into like Nicole Byers podcast and I'm like, well, I that's the only other one that I really prioritize. Like if it drops in my feed, I'm like, okay, this can go to the top of the list. Oh, and the Glee Rewatch podcast. Like I wasn't a big office ladies person, but I'm like, oh, I love Glee. <laughs> but like, it's also like a lot of our, the podcasters have like offshoot podcasts and I feel like overwhelmed. Like if I enjoy listening to their content, like, um, like a lot of these people that are my friends also like yeah Sterling has her podcast with Sarah Ferguson I was like mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of this stuff and I feel like a bad friend for not listening to the podcast so I like have it downloaded but I'm like I don't listen like and then it overwhelms yeah. me that I'm like I have to support my friends too um, yeah well, I have survivor friends who do interviews I'm like hey I gotta like prioritize these interviews yeah. because I want to support my friends I'm actually getting really stressed out about how much content there is that I will never consume in my lifetime it's <laughs> so this, this is how we should be feeling at the end of this podcast yeah um is there anything we haven't really hit on uh, that like affects you? I'm sure like as soon as we hang up, you'll be like, oh, well, we have this thing that we didn't talk about, but. Um... This is what I, this is what I wrote down. Like we, I think we got to everything. Okay. I, I mean, I've literally been thinking through my life in like yearly stages with like yeah. the media I love. I don't know that there's anything else that's like that much more important. Is there um, something yeah. specific that like is yours and Peter's both like that you share? Cause like, I liked asking this question to Rob about like what he likes to watch with Nicole and uh, and then I asked him like how being a dad affects what he watches but like in terms of like what you watch with Peter and Angelica and Eliza like is there anything that you Aww. all share <laughs> well Jelly's really getting into Survivor she's a challenge girly like she like she's like <laughs> like can like really watching which is really cute um for Peter a lot of it was football and Survivor which is funny because he has I feel a lot less time for Survivor now and I have a lot less time for football um he is still, he didn't finish 44 but he that was like the first time ever um otherwise like he will watch but it's just he can't like be as involved in it otherwise with Peter I feel like it's all like moments in time like we watch everything together and then like we've we watched so much right? stuff together yeah, yeah but like in tv shows as well like we watch all those sitcoms watching succession like we're watching the devil's plan now the genius was a big one I quoted the genius in my wedding speech because I felt like that was such a moment in time where we what we like spent like a whole summer watching every season of the genius and we shared that so in terms of like long term maybe this will be the one that I hang up and I'm like ah. But um, I mean, we, we have, like, he's less into dramas. We have pretty similar tastes. So it's more like, you know, like we watched Severance last year and we like love that. So it's like, we watch these things together, but it's more in these like, in like a seasonal way. Like we watch, we watch Abbott Elementary together. We watch Brooklyn together, like all of these things. But um, I don't like, I feel like the overarching things have always been the things that we're passionate about, which for him is, and for both of us was always football. And for me, it's Survivor. And yeah. thank God he's a Survivor fan. Because can you imagine? Like, <laughs> Was he a Survivor fan before you started dating or did you convert? He him? had watched it like as a kid. And so he'd always be the same with like watching with his family. Then his ex-girlfriend was actually a big Survivor fan. So he would watched with her. And then um, when they broke up, he was like, you know, didn't want to touch it because she was a Survivor fan. Then I'm like, now you're going to date someone who will later be called the biggest Survivor fan in the world. Um, so then he got back into it. It had only been like probably two or three seasons. And then when when we started dating, and he he like he loves vibe. It's the kind of yeah. thing that he like because of all our similar interests that he would really like. So he went back and watched a lot. Like he hadn't seen, I think like Token Teens. That's like his favorite season. 
Um, he watches, you know, global as well. He's like friends with the people as well, right? Like the yeah. similar friends yeah. that I have. So he feels, I think, pretty connected to it. But but he's not as know, big a fan as Sari because he's not watching Big Brother with you. He's well, just hearing about it. He loves Sari. I remember like we when we watched the traders yeah. this year and we like stayed up too late to watch, like to finish the finale. And then yeah. like, and he had to get up early for work and he like woke up the next morning. He's like, I'm so tired, but like Sari's win is going to like power me through the day. I'm like, this is why I love you. Cause you love Sari. So again, like he's not watching big brother. He would never have the time. He barely has time to watch yeah. the vibe up, but he very much, I, I also cause he's friends with Zach. Like he very much, like we talked, yeah. I put up a video of him like naming the players. Like we talk about it most days. I'm like catching up on like how Corey and Sari specifically are doing. So he's basically watched it by proxy, yeah. I feel. He can also just watch a clip show later. The like Big Brother fans, they like will pull through with all the clips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's aware of what's going on. Is there anything else you want to mention? Is like, there? Is, I don't know. I feel like what is no. We've been going for like two and a two hours and fifteen minutes. I feel like we could probably like still talk more, but I don't want to take yeah. like too much. I feel of like time. we we hit the highlights. Thank yeah. you for indulging me, just talking about like I, I feel like this it seeps out of me. Like I think I don't know that any of the stuff would surprise people because yeah. because I'm like quoting The Simpsons on like you people probably know. You know, I talk about Harry Potter, Taylor Swift, Hamilton. Like I quote these things all the time. I'm a listener. John Poulos was like he messaged me recently saying that like I, I need to start paying a tax every time I quote Hamilton which, on podcast. So like it seeps out of me anyway, but it's good to like talk it through to be yeah. like, how did I get to the point where I'm just a quote and lyric machine? But, <laughs> can't be I mean, that's, that's why like, it's so fun to listen to like you specifically. Cause you're like so passionate. That's like maybe why I relate to you a lot is cause you are very passionate. You can't help, but be obsessed with these things. Um, I'm and maybe it's like also the OCD as well, yeah. but yeah. Um, but like I can relate to that like I was that kid who was like talking about Winnie the Pooh and then like years went by and I was like talking about Disney Channel and Nickelodeon cartoons and Cartoon Network and then like my next phase was Glee and like I like then Survivor and Big Brother and so like I can also see the parallels in my life where like I have my obsessions I go all in and then eventually it morphs and like Survivor will probably always be like the constant that like will never like change but like my relationship with the show might change like 43 and 44 I kind of just watched as a casual but then I popped my head back up when Brandon got cast and I was like uh the recaps again like the suits and just like throwing myself back into RHAP because I don't know maybe it's because like a lot of us are anxious people but I feel like the RHAP like community as a whole I feel like a lot more people have empathy than the people I've met in the real world like I feel like these for the most part like at least the people that I've interacted like the majority of them are like much kinder and care more about how other people are feeling and like what they're going through than like I don't know maybe I feel like there's something there that I can't articulate I need to give more thought to but generally some of the most incredible and nicest and kindest humans that I've ever met even people that I'm not super close with like I just feel like they're really kind and genuine people who care about others well maybe maybe there's a sense of like thoughtfulness like if you care enough to kind of deconstruct these things maybe you're thoughtful maybe you're empathetic it's definitely a community I feel of people who are obsessive which is where I've like met those kind of kindred spirits I feel because like I think that's 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 the thing with me like that's why these this this media like seeps out of me is because I'm just like such an obsessive person and always have been um in a way that I've always said like everyone's biggest strength is also their biggest weakness and I feel Mm -hmm. like my passion and obsession like is the the best part of me like that's like what I can offer the world and it's also like exhausting and like feeling things so extremely is probably like 
not <laughs> like bad in ways. Like, you know, like I basically like I run hot. And my, my friend said this to me recently. She's like, I don't know anyone that like loves things as much as you do. But I like, I love loving things. Like the same ex-boyfriend okay. that I needed Gilmore Girls to recover from and who Taylor Swift helped me through. I remember once he said to me when we were dating in high school, he was like, why can't you just like things medium? <laughs> like every single thing was, and like he clearly did not get me because that's not me. Like I don't do medium. No. Like I do extreme. I do passion. I do obsession in a way that is exhausting in a way that may exhaust others. Like I know it's not for everyone. But like that is like completely led me to to being here because I couldn't just sit on that's a good episode like turn it off like I it's thoughtfulness it's like thinking through everything in a way that might drive you a little bit crazy but in a way that's just how I enjoy engaging with the world like and it's not it's obviously not just media it's like the world at large but like I'll have like long thoughtful conversations with people in my life about pretty much everything because I like I'm an overthinker I just think so much about everything and that's just it's the best and worst part of me but it's basically just like I can't change it. And that's how I wound up here, pretty much. That is awesome. Like, I can relate to everything you just said. Like, I like talking to people about, like, anything. I feel like if there's, like, passion, like, it can draw you in. And whether it's, like, about culture or media or history, like, I feel like there's so much, like, I just am curious about, like, how people see the world. And that, maybe that's why we love reality TV. Cause I feel like that's something inherent, but like you said, we're overthinkers and that's like sometimes the best part of us, sometimes the worst part of us because we overanalyze everything. And yeah, I don't know the way you put that was like amazing. And I really echo everything you say. Yeah. I mean, I think that the passion is a good thing. Like one of my favorite things about that quality is like making other people passionate about it. Yeah. Like my mother-in-law loves musical. We share that a lot. We watched Hamilton together um when it came out the movie and we also then saw it live in Sydney but I feel like I was like I love this thing it's so good and that made her like connect to it more and it was like it helped her be passionate about it Survivor as well like hearing people say you know listening to the podcast got me into other franchises or like made me more of a super fan like sharing that passion and making people passionate back is like my favorite thing about that quality where it's like this is actually like a good value where like you can if you can see why it means so much to me like maybe you'll start learning about it where in a way where it can mean something to you. And then maybe you'll have something that you absolutely love. Like that's such a great thing. So maybe on the side of like good passion, but then when I'm overthinking things to a million, mm-hmm. I'll be like, mm, this is not a good quality to have. So, you know, I'm on oh, this when I'm trying to fall asleep in bed, listening to friends or survivor or whatever I have in the background and I can't fall asleep. And I'm like overanalyzing like uh, a conversation I had. I was like, are they mad at me? I don't know. Like, that, yeah. That's, like, yeah. That's when I'm like, texting myself at three in the morning thoughts I have about Survivor so that I don't forget them. Like that's the, that's the problem. But like, I don't know, it's best and worst qualities. I'll strongly always believe that. But I feel like a lot of people listening or in the community would understand it because you don't get to a point where you're part of like a reality TV community of people all over the world. And that's how you've made your friends without having a little bit of that like niche obsessive overthinking quality it's just it must be at least a little part about who we all are i can't agree more i i love this community and again like rob truly changed my life i know he changed yours like this silly goofy man who went on a reality show (laughs) at age 23 changed so many lives and i just feel blessed that i was channel surfing that one day stumbled onto episode two of survivor one world and was like what the hell is this who is this cat lady why is she yelling at this nina woman like (laughs) and changed my life and i'm just so grateful and like i'm so grateful for you for your time and like doing this podcast like i know you got 
anxious about like talking to Sandra like on your podcast but I was like kind of feeling I was like oh my god I'm talking to Shannon like she's no, iconic I remember Shannon. what I was when I listened to your Taryn show interview just Aww. to bring it full circle like I went to visit some friends in New York including Brandon um and then I got back to the bus station and like it was on the drop and I was waiting for my dad to pick me up and I remember you were talking about stuff with Taryn I was like oh my god like it's like I remember I don't know if you can ever remember where you were listening to certain podcasts but like I feel like I have a lot of sense memories of like specific podcasts listening to when they were and I was like this is kind of like a cool experience like because like I've talked to Rob I talked to Mike I've talked to Latanya before but I've never like done anything with you and this is so fun and I'm just so grateful for your time and like anytime you want to come on the podcast you're always welcome uh I know you're super busy though so um just consume all that media (laughs) um but this was so fun. Uh, is there anything else you want to add or do you want to start doing plugs? No, thank you so much. I mean, I think this is a great idea for a podcast, for a community that loves media. I think yeah. it's a really, really fun, cool concept. So thank you for having me on. Um, plugging all the things I just spoke about, I guess. <laughs> like that's what I, Survivor, Survivor UK, covering that on with IGP. George. Yeah, with George. Um, Big Brother, Cap the crown hopefully soon as well so yeah all that all the media we just discussed i am excited for you and then people can keep up with you at shannon at Gus, shannon, gates. shannon gates yeah <laughs> you don't want to change the handle there are other shannon gusses in the world but there's no other shannon gates so i'm just yeah. staying with the handle forever not that you ever want to go on survivor but if you ever do and you get merch gateskeeper i know you made that joke but like yeah do you think well, I mean, do I need to go on Survivor to have merch? Like no, all the Survivor super. players have, all the Survivor yeah. players have merch. It's crazy, but I mean, I have Chizzy merch. I think that's as far as I'm gonna yeah. go with it. Who Who are the top three characters that would get Chizzy points of your life? <laughs> like three, what do you two, mean? one. Like I don't know. Like Ross gets three points. Uh, Abed uh, gets two. Yeah. I don't know. Taylor Swift gets one. <laughs> Eliza from Hamilton would be yeah. up there. To, like Ross, probably. Let me think. What do I have here? Am I Hermione? <laughs> Abed would have to. There's a lot. Probably yeah. that was too many cheesy points. Yeah. But we don't there. break the cheesy points on this podcast. Only, only the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, quickly for my plugs, uh, Brazilian, uh, the Brazilian Dragon on Instagram and TikTok. That's where I'm do- promoting all my podcasts, and then also any stand-up shows that I'm doing in LA. Uh, I have. I'm gonna be taking a quick break from the podcast. This will come out on Thursday, the 25th. I don't know how to do math. 26th that's when i'm going to drop that uh but then i'm going to take a break because i'm going to a wedding and then rhp is coming to la and then up on deck i have uh i have a podcast media made me with daniel strunk is scheduled which is exciting and then uh gia worthy and i are going to do a podcast discussion diversity and queerness in disney channel which i'm really excited about disney channel nickelodeon Mm -hmm. so maybe uh we'll focus more on the disney channel at the front half so if you're interested in that and then we can like go to the nickelodeon stuff that you don't care about but um i'm really excited about that one i met gia in new york and like in person and she was lovely and uh we started getting very excited about the cheetah girls randomly so oh cheetah girls yeah love that raven fan obviously which is your favorite of the Cheetah Girls movies? Probably the first one. That's the one I remember the most. Yeah. Um, there's a Cheetah Girls movie called One World, which is tying it full circle. How many Cheetah me. Girls movies are there? Great. But the third one doesn't have Raven. Yeah. I definitely watched all of them because I definitely remember when Raven wasn't First there. one is just like general Cheetah Girls. Second one is Cheetah Girls in Barcelona. And then yeah. the third one is Cheetah Girls in India. Iconic. Um, hmm. 
but some bangers in all of them. But anyways, yeah. Shannon, uh, not to go like way old school RHAP, but is there a hashtag you want people to like use if they listen what's to this that, podcast? What's the hashtag? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, we used to. I miss the hashtags. What do you, what, do you have something? What are we thinking? Um, uh, something about how Angelica likes challenges. I don't know. Like <laughs> Something about jelly. Like, challenge girly. Challenge girly jelly. No. Um, There's. Griffin gel. Griffin gel. He's the Gryffindor. I'm going to start calling her that. Griffin gel. My um, baby. And yes, when you come to LA, please let me know. I will get you on that Warner Brothers store. So you I can can't wait. So to see all the friend stuff and all the Gilmore Girl stuff. <laughs> yes, all my comfort shows. Yes. <laughs> Maybe if I'm having a bad day, that'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, thank you again so much for joining me on the podcast. Until next time, everyone. Obrigadero for listening. Goodbye. There's nothing rich folks love more than going downtown and slumming it with the poor. They pull up in their carriages and gawk at the students in the common just to watch them talk. Take Philip Schuyler, the man is loaded. He know that his daughter's Peggy, Angelica, Eliza, stay in the city just to watch all the guys. It- work, work. Angelica, work, work. Eliza, and Peggy, work, work. the Skyler sisters. Angelica, Peggy, Eliza, work. Daddy said to be home by sundown. Daddy doesn't need to know. Daddy said not to go downtown. Like I said, you're free to go. But I'm looking for a mine to work. I'm looking for a mine to work. I'm looking for a mine to work. There's nothing like summer in the city. Someone in a rush next to someone looking pretty. Excuse me, miss, I know it's not funny, but your perfume smells like your daddy's got money. While you slumming in the city in your fancy heels, you searching for an urchin who can give you ideals. Sir, you disgust me. Ah, so you disgust me. I'm a trust fund, baby, you can trust me. I've been reading Common Sense by Thomas Paine. So men say that I'm intense around insane. You want a revolution, I want a revelation. So listen to my declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'ma compel him to include women in.